Hello and welcome to the Weird Geeks Horror Show, where every Friday we'll be covering another installment in a classic horror franchise. Go to weirdgeeks.com and weirdgeeks on iTunes to check out our other podcast series, social medias, Twitch streams, contact details and news on our very own feature films, albums, shorts and more that are currently in production for our publisher, We Are Tessellate. We Are Geeks is not affiliated with any of the rights holders of the films referenced and no infringement is intended. Riders on the storm Riders on the storm into this house Geeks! Geeks! Hello and welcome back to the Weird Geeks Horror Show. Every single Friday we take you through another installment in the classic horror retrospective franchise. I'm your host, Al White. And joining me now, finally we're at the beginning of the proper series of our Hitcher franchise, which is going to go into Joyride and other things. Uh, Christina Masterson. Hi! <laughs> Hi. <laughs> How you doing? I'm doing, you know. Are you still wearing the same clothes as last week? Great. Excellent. Quarantined. You know, just trying to save water. <laughs> and Heaven to Bear. Hello, hello. Again, we don't like to be too topical, but for this series in particular, since we're all in COVID-19, we are acknowledging that. We hope you're all out there being safe, staying isolated, being sensible. You're obviously going to be listening to these after the fact, so there's no point in us being topical on today. Because, to be fair, the numbers that you're probably seeing a week in the future are more realistic to the numbers we would be seeing now, because that's mm-hmm. how it works. Don't forget. But yeah, we hope everyone's doing all right, and we hope that you're watching some of these movies with us. I'm excited because we're going to be talking. I mean, I'm showing. I don't like to show my cards early on any of these podcasts, but I'm showing my cards on this one as I did last week. This is one of my favorite movies that we've ever covered on We Are Geeks, so I'm excited to uh, discuss and get into fights with you guys. I hope you stick up for the things you don't like, so I can mm-hmm. shout at you and tears can happen. We're going to talk about The Hitcher from 1986. It gets a 7.2 on the old IMDb's. But before we get into all that stuff, if you're new to us, hello, welcome. Please head on out to weirdgeeks.com if you want to. There's not much there, so why bother? But you can go on the social medias and go on Weirdgeeks. We don't really talk on that either, but it's nice to support. Why not? But if you really want to help, go on iTunes, go on your podcast app, find Weirdgeeks, find this podcast that you listen to right now. It's not hard. It's just a thumb press away. You can literally do it now. You can do. There's a party happening in the background of someone's house. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? Is it mine? Maybe. You're, you're probably the... I doubt Christina's having a party because nobody likes her. That's right, Al. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. It won't show up on our mics because our mics are super... These ones are fine. It'll just be on our on our earphone mics. What's the deal? What am I talking about? Yeah, do the thing. Press the button and then subscribe. With your thumb. With the thumb. Ideally, watch the phone. Watch the thumb first and after because who knows, you dirty people. Or use and your then, pinky if you're feeling spicy, you know. Use your nail, maybe, on the back. I've been doing some things with elbows. Tell you what, got pretty adept with an elbow. I can pick up, can you pick, I can pick up a lot of stuff. I always have been able to, like a monkey with my feet. I've driven with my feet before, but it was like a reckless time. (laughs) What? Yeah. Yeah. I hope there are no police people listening to this recording. You've driven with your feet? I just wanted to try it just once. Not like on an, it wasn't like in a parking lot, not like on an open road. I mean, there are other cars, but well, thank you know, a little God. bit toe driving. <laughs> Just, you know, pedestrians Just walking around. Just toe driving here and there. This, uh, this <laughs> is the opening to one of the films we're covering where someone does that and then a truck driver's like, you've got to pay. Reckless fucking driver taking you down. <laughs> Was that you, Heaven? <laughs> yeah, catch me in duel too. <laughs> Yeah, and when you're there, yeah, rate, subscribers, helps out a whole bunch. We do all this free. We don't do Patreon, so don't do banner ads, and we're not going to try and sell you 
any driving classes <laughs> <laughs> with your toes. You yeah. need fucking driving classes from the sound of him. That's like rule number one: drive with hands. Mm, debatable. <laughs> lesson one is that when they got to that with lesson three, they let you try different appendages before. Yes, sir. Like, yeah. Lesson number three: use your hands, heaven. Use your hands. Mm-mm. Yeah, and we like to talk about the year that was 1986. What an exciting year. Honestly, a lot of great sci-fi, a lot of great horror came out in this year. One of you has the worldwide box office top 10 movies of that I year. I do. Christina's raising a hand excitedly. I'm more excited about this one than the last one, just because I know a few more things. So, let's see. We usually start with number 10, but I decided just to throw this one in there because it's a pretty good one. And it's at number 13. And it is Stand By Me. <gasps> oh. Great movie. Great movie. This is one of John Cusack's first appearances in a movie. Mm. Oh. Plays the older brother. Okay, so <laughs> moving on. <laughs> well, the one, is, the one of Stephen King's best film adaptations, I feel, as well. Definitely. He's getting some decent ones now. But like, I still think his drama works better for film. Like Shawshank and yeah, Stand By Me and stuff. Mm. I Okay, so number 10, we have Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh. Uh, what a great movie. you seen this, Evan? Yeah, I've, I've seen both of these so far. Nice. Yep, great movie. Number nine is Ruthless People, starring Heaven and Al. What? <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is a, I've never even heard. Is there honestly a film called Ruthless People? Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard of it either. Bette Midler's in it and Danny DeVito. Mm. Oh, Ooh. I haven't heard of it. And then number eight, we have The Golden that's Child. Oh, that's, that's a classic. Yeah, I Eddie seen Murphy. It. Eddie Murphy. That's some yeah. weird fucking fantasy shit going on in this movie. Mm. Oh, yo. It's got like a little bit of a, it's, not, it's nowhere near as good, but it's got a bit of a big trouble in Little China kind of vibe to it. Oh, so I see. Comedy, sort of, yeah, some weird fantasy stuff in there, but all in contemporary times. Mm-hmm. Cool. Number seven is Back to School. I've never okay. seen that. I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. Okay. It does. It looks weird. Numbers. <laughs> it's the fucking 80s, man. Everything's weird. Number six, we have The Karate Kid Part 2. I genuinely loved The Karate Kid. I think it's an amazing movie. But yeah. two and three, I like. Yeah. Okay. Number five, <laughs> we have Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home. I've never None seen that have- one. I haven't. Mm-mm. I honestly, I don't like Star Trek, so I, I haven't seen any of these, really. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess moving on then, number four. <laughs> <laughs> I guess this year wasn't that great. We got Platoon. Plus, I mean, that's a fucking amazing movie. Platoon's awesome. I never watched it. Charlie Sheen. I've never seen it. William Dafoe. I do like a William Dafoe. Hmm. No, it's one of the great Vietnam movies with Full Metal Jacket and Ooh. other ones too. <laughs> Number three, we have not Alien, but Aliens. Ooh. Is it better than the first? Is it not? No one will ever decide. Both are fantastic. Let's leave it at that. Wait, those are different movies? There's Alien and Aliens, plural? No, I don't know. What the fuck is happening? No, this is Aliens. Oh, what? Is there? (laughs) Alien is the original movie from the 70s by Ridley Scott with one Alien. I've seen that one. On a ship, and that's like pure on horror. Aliens is James Cameron's movie with lots of aliens, 
and it's like a more of an action movie, action horror. Is this the sexy alien bathtub thing? What? <laughs> no. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> I, what, the, what the fuck what? is happening? <laughs> Justin Law, if you're listening, rescue me from this what madness. What is the movie with the sexy alien lady in the hot tub that ends I up... I want to see this movie. <laughs> ...eating her prey. Oh, wait. The sexy... Hey, what? Isn't it this the one? S- what, you, you understand the film Alien, right? With like the iconic xenomorph. I don't know. Those That's aliens are kind of cute though, you know? You, like if on. I was in the hot tub with one of the aliens from Aliens, <laughs> like, like I want to know about their life. Okay, what is that movie then with the hot woman that turns into an alien? And then I mean, it could be any eating. movie. What? Scooby-Doo? Like when they go to Area 51? <laughs> it could be any movie. I know I don't... Like fucking species? Like, I don't know. Like, Maybe it's species. What? Seriously, though, Christina, you know, I mean, Heaven was the first problem here who didn't know that Alien and then Aliens were sequel. I'm sorry, but you can't just add an S big. This is my sequel title. Alien. Oh, let's do it again. Aliens. But it's like, it's one of it's the and most I'm famous. I'm sorry, but I didn't know either. Yeah, the most famous two Ow. films of all fucking time to have a sequel: are Alien and Aliens. I was gonna do. He's gonna do instead of just. Oh, we did Starfish. Do Starfishes. <laughs> I mean, I, I would be tempted. This, that's insane, though. That you don't. I mean, it's fucking. What the hell is that? But Christina, what? honestly. Get out I was phone. only one years old when this came out. It's not my fault. It doesn't. No, but it's Alien and Aliens. I it doesn't it matter. That's was. irrelevant. You understand who Superman is, right? Yes. Yeah. You can imagine him in your head. When you say aliens, I you don't think of any it. of the films aliens. You've I never do, seen the image of what an alien looks like. Mm-mm. Christina, get your phone out right now. <laughs> okay. What? I refuse to believe this. Look Google up alien in a prom dress. Just aliens. No, a- don't look up. Stop it. <laughs> just look up Movie? aliens film. Yeah, sure, whatever. I mean, it's going to come up even if you don't put movie in because Images. that's what it, how fucking big it is. Oh, yeah, I've seen this. I've seen this type of alien. Yeah. The dome-headed alien. But yeah, I one never of the, watched Probably it. the most famous film-designed creature of all time Mm-mm. by H.R. Giga. I never seen it, And James it, Cameron's, like, entire career, like, sure, Terminator did well for him, but Aliens was the thing that, like, blew him up to be the biggest director in history, basically. Wow. And... <laughs> You guys, I God, know you made, you made like. my armpit sweaty. God dang it! I'm broken. I'm, look up I'm the- broken right now. Don't be. We have to a whole th- podcast. To think I Maybe was the me and Heaven need to be on the Aliens podcast. I'm never. I'm not doing it because it's too big. Like the thing is, not because it's too many, but because everybody like there's so like because they're like the two of the biggest movies of all time there's so much like i would have to literally spend months researching to talk about those movies and that's why we haven't done like yeah the big ones like aliens like we've touched on aliens and the predator retrospective because there there are the aliens versus predator movies so we included Mm. those in that but okay my my mind's broken let's continue you learn something new about us every day huh can you see that that's an alien in a prom dress (laughs) (laughs) that's cute i like that alien Okay, oh. I guess we'll move on to number two. <sighs> I've Anyone's seen... listening now is just like, has no desire to continue. Happy quarantine, y'all. all tuned out. <laughs> Crocodile Dundee. Oh, fuck. Jeez. 
Just keep Get going. over Walk it, Al. You know, I was watching Sweet Sixteen Candles. <gasps> you can and do stuff both like that, okay? You can watch Sweet. You can watch Sixteen Candles and Aliens. Wait, it's not. <laughs> I said Sweet Sixteen Candles. No, it's just Sixteen <laughs> Candles. <laughs> That's the sequel you're thinking of, sweet. And I was watching Breakfast Club. I was into the happier stuff, not the aliens. Fer- presumably, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah, I watched that. I can look. I can accept you not having watched Alien or Aliens. I can accept that, Christina. What I can't accept is you not knowing that they exist. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, I believe continue. in extraterrestrial beings. <laughs> I do. Cool. Well, then that's fine then. <laughs> Let's are you continue. guys ready for number one? I don't yes. know. We are. I'm ready for it. Top Gun. Which we're getting a sequel to. We are? Oh, come on. What the fuck? <laughs> are you guys alive? Top Gun's number one? Yeah. 33 years later and we're getting a sequel to it. Is Tom Cruise crazy? in it again? Yeah. Really? Trailers are out. Yeah, trailers are out. Two trailers are out now. I don't have TV, Al. I only see trailers and people send them to me. Mm-hmm. Do you have the internet? So that's your that's where fault. they keep the trailers. They don't put the trailers on the TV. It's on the internet or in a cinema. Well, you would have. To, I haven't been to a cinema in the long in a long time. Sam, you know? have you been on the internet? Yeah, but I don't Google what are the new trailers, trailers right now. You don't look at trailers. Well, it's lucky you're not in the film industry now. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Uh, 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 Christina, that was. I mean, look, okay. So my staple for this is to say at the, at the end of each time someone reads out the top ten movies from whatever year that it was illuminating. It really was illuminating <laughs> this time, Christina. I learned a lot of things, so thank you. Well, you know, I'm just here to entertain you, Al. <laughs> entertain her, whatever. Christina, Jeez. 1986. What spookies was the hit you going up against? Did you just call me Christina? <laughs> Sorry, heaven. I'm looking at. Why are you so discombobulated? I'm bro- honestly, <laughs> I am broken now. That's fine. It's cool. I could be Christina for this podcast in the foreseeable future. <laughs> the foreseeable. So, ooh, I, you know, on to- oh like God. topic. So, the top of this list, I mean, it's still in numerical order, not like ratings or whatever. Probably is Aliens. <laughs> Aliens is one of the movies that hit you. Wait, Alien or Aliens? Aliens with an S, the sequel. Let's move on. April Fool's Day is number two. We have covered this one uh, with Shannon and Katie. Go back and listen to that podcast. Uh, It's a cool movie. It's a remake. Oh, boy. Ooh, Chopping Mall. We've literally just covered this a few weeks ago, also with uh, Shannon and Katie. That's a clever name. Chopping Mall. Wow. Ooh, Critters. So sadly, it's actually Robots. In a oh. mall, killing people. Critters, we'll get to the Critters series at some point. Mm. Demons 2. Some Italian horror. Mm. The Fly. Yeah, I mean, it's The Fly. This is a remake with Jeff Goldblum, and it's fantastic. Friday the 13th, part four. No, part six. Jason lives. <laughs> Sorry. This is when Jason becomes a zombie. You can go back and listen to our first ever series where we covered the Jason movies, although I'd half recommend not because we had no idea how to format a podcast. They ran for about half an hour. It's a whole bunch of hot trash most of the time. But hey, we did it. Henry, portrait of a serial killer. People love this movie. I'm not a huge fan. I don't like the lead guy. What's he called? Michael Rooker. Michael Rooker? Mm. House. This is uh, Steve Miner, beginning of... They actually made four of these fucking movies, which is crazy. Uh, this is the guy who directed Lake Placid and Halloween 7 and stuff. And Friday the 13th, part two and three. Oh. But House, House are weird. They're weird movies. Also dealing with Vietnam. 
Mm. <laughs> Not quite as good as Platoon. <laughs> Poltergeist 2, the other side. We will get to the Poltergeist films. We almost did them now, actually. We will get to those. She's having to shake in her head, shake it ahead. She's not gonna do those. I'll jump on. Maybe, maybe I'll jump on for a ghost. Uh, Psycho Katie, too. Katie's excited for those, and we'll do Psycho at some point. Yeah, absolutely. Because isn't it crazy? This is 1986, and we're getting Psycho too. That's like nearly 20 years, or whatever, since uh, or over 20 years. Yeah, over 20 years, I think. Mm-hmm. Sorority House Massacre. Yeah, these are like weirdly, accidentally, tangentially tied in through the Corman connection with the Slumber Party Massacre. We just covered those movies. So. Mm. Uh, but these are, these are much worse. Ooh. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, too. Covered it. Go listen. Troll. Have not covered it. Not, I mean, if you're going to watch a troll, you're going to watch Troll 2, the most famous, you know, infamous, worst movie of all time that people love. It's kind of like The Room. People go crazy for that movie, and they do big screenings for it. Jeez. Um, but not but yeah. Troll 1. That's Those it? are the 1986 uh, films Hitcher was up against. Okay, so we're still getting slasher sequels. Mm-hmm. Already starting to dwindle a little bit. There was no Freddy on that list, was there? That's interesting. Mm-mm. Oh, no, I guess he started this year or next year? Next year. Yeah, so like the Hitcher is still like a different flavor of horror to bring in, but not as weird as like when Jewel came out and everything was gothic at that point. And Jewel mm-hmm. definitely felt much more like contemporary America. Yeah, directed by Robert Harmon who directed Noah to Run. He went on to direct the horror film They, which is all right. He directed Highwaymen, which we're going to be talking about in two weeks' time. He directed a bunch of Jesse Stone TV movies. Who the fuck is Jesse Stone? Mm-mm. Anyone know? He's done loads of those. No. And a TV show, I think, called Blue Bloods. That's what he's doing now. Oh, okay. I've heard of that. Yeah, so he hadn't had that big of a career. By the way, he seems like a really lovely guy. I was watching a lot of interviews with him really like him and it's rare when you see interviews with the director and you're actually like oh good you're a nice person <laughs> written by eric red he would write also near dark that classic movie that people love he also wrote 100 feet which is a pretty decent horror movie from a little while ago dp by john seal now this guy is serious business he dp'd rain man dead poet society yeah, the english patient which i think he won oh, the wow. Oscar for or at least was nominated for the talented mr ripley he did some harry potters the last thing he did was mad max fury road oh shit uh, this is a serious dp and then music by mark isham he's got 183 credits <laughs> wow Damn. This is a working working musician. He did Cool World, A River Runs Through It, Time Cop, The Net, Kiss the Girls, Blade, The Majestic, High Women, which we're going to get to, Crash, The Mist, The Accountant, Once Upon a Time TV show. He's doing that Cloak and Dagger TV mm, show. And mm-hmm. he's going to be doing Bill and Ted Face the Music. Coming Damn. Soon. Starring C. Thomas Howell as Jim Halsey. Apparently he was Tyler in E.T., uh, yeah, oh. but he also was Outsiders. He was Pony Boy, one of my favorite That's... movies. But he also did that movie. What is it? Soul Man or something? Oh, did he really? Which he like, Soul Man? killed his career because he did blackface. Oh, is that, is that real? Oh, man. But yeah. he's I mean, so good. He was so good as Pony Boy. I know. He oh. was really good at Pony Boy. I mean, I feel bad. It was just like not when like was Soul, when was Soul Man. Aware. Let me check right now. I think it was still in the... No, I think it was like in the 90s. Mm-mm. Okay. So that really um, that really hindered him. Yeah. But um, he's still like... Uh, you look at his stuff. He's still... He's still working. He yeah. has a lot of... He did a lot of stuff. Yeah. He was Jack's father in The Amazing Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. He's in Grimm. He's in Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce, that TV show. Criminal Minds, The Terror. And we're going to be talking about him again at some point. 
I, I think I just think that that one fucked him up for a, a while. But I mean, you know, that's not really you know. That's understandable. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then, of course, the great and very sadly late Rutger Hauer as John Ryder. So good. He's so good. Which obviously so most good. people know from Blade Runner. He's done many, 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 many roles, but he's iconic from Blade Runner and mm-hmm. in a lesser degree, because this is more of a sleeper hit, but from this as well. In his mind, for sure, those are his two roles that he's most proud of, I think. And then Jennifer Jason Lee. Amazing. I love her. Of course, mm. from Single White Female. She's in The Hateful Eight. She's in Dolores Clebon. She's uh, actually one of the voices in Anoma Lisa, that wonderful movie. She's in some Twin Peaks, Weeds. Mm. She's in everything. It was Soul Man was 86. 86? Oh, man, that's the same year as this movie. Is it? So that kind of fucked him up too much then, because that was all right at the beginning of his career. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. But, but you guys should go. You should have watched the trailer. <laughs> You guys definitely should watch the trailer. It's been a long time since I remembered Soul Man existed, so that could be shocking. This movie was budgeted at $6 million. Its box office was between six and eight. There are some different reports on that, so didn't make its money back if you include marketing and stuff. However, I believe it did pretty well on the home video market and over time with networking, but yeah, certainly wasn't a hit. So this is to deal with this one. Eric Red, who's the writer of this, he's 20 years old. And he Mm -hmm. makes a short film called Gunman's Blues in the hope to open some doors for him in the industry. But nothing was happening. Wow. So he decided to move from New York City to Austin and drove from New York City to Austin with his stuff. And on this Mm -hmm. drive, he kept listening to Riders on the Storm by the Doors along the way. And he began to think up a movie based on some of these elements. Now, if you remember the lyrics to Riders on the Storm, there's literally a a whole bunch in there about a killer on the road in a storm. Oh, so good. So he was like, this song is the perfect like opening to a movie, essentially. And he wanted that song to be, you know, like in the opening of the movie initially. But obviously it's an expensive song. So Yeah. Is that why what you try to do, Al, when you're on your road trips cross country? I mean that's literally what I do. I listen to loads of music (laughs) and then yeah, just ingest it. But I try to pick cheaper music. (laughs) (laughs) Or ones whose artists I can reach out to. He stayed in Austin for seven months. He drove a taxi cab while he was there. And then during wow. that time, he wrote the first draft of The Hitcher. He sent wow. out a pitch that included a letter, which read, it was kind of like daring people basically to read it. It said, it, as in the story, grabs you by the guts and does not let up and does not let go. When you read it, you will not sleep for a week. When the movie is made, the country will not sleep for a week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he sent this out to people. He said he got like 40% return rate from people actually replying in some form or another wow. which is um very high that's that's awesome and then it accidentally got to uh david bombick who script development executive who wanted to see the script the script mm-hmm. at that point by the way 190 pages long dang which for people who aren't in the industry normally it's one page per minute of runtime so that'd be three hours 10 minutes long movie it included scenes like an entire family being slaughtered an eyeball in a hamburger a woman tied to a truck and a pole and then torn viciously in half teenagers having sex a decapitation slashing shootings car crashes it was incredibly brutal and gory in the way it was written and everybody was basically loved it but everybody was like more like this is great what what other stuff do you have because this is too much no one can make this movie it's too nasty wait 
Real quick, I just pulled up the riders in the storm lyrics, and it's verse one, and it's, there's a killer on the road, his brain is squirming like a toad, take a long holiday, let your children play, if you give this man a ride, sweet family will die, killer on the road. Yeah. There you go. Love it. Anyways. Just literally took it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, literally. <laughs> which is fine, why not? As long as you're not going to get sued. So David, along with his manager, Kip Oman, were worried if they took it to their producers, Ed Feldman and Charles Meeker, that they would see it just as an exploitation flick. So it, like, we'd just come out of that era. We've skipped over the whole era we were talking about before of like rape revenge films and exploitation movies and all of that mm-hmm. stuff, where a lot of stuff is just done to be sensationalist and to shock. And they were worried that that's how things were going to be seen. And that's really the era that made horror films a dirty word because they're mm-hmm. seen as this low-graded entertainment that's just there to shock and you're a horrible person if you make them and you're a horrible person if you watch them. But the script also showed some poetry and intensity were the words that they used. So they, they really had faith in it. So they helped Red work on it and he then moved to LA eventually after they finished that first draft. And the producers really liked it, but they didn't want it to be a slasher film. So they spent another six months reworking it, removing a lot of the repetitive violence that was there in the script. Everyone then loved the new script, but 20th Century Fox was not comfortable with the subject matter. So they actually initially gave them a letter of intent to distribute the film, which would allow them to get outside financing, and then the studio would then reimburse them for the budget. It's a pretty decent setup deal. A lot of the problems, though, came from the scene of Jennifer Jason Leigh getting ripped in half. This was a scene that repeatedly, every single studio, every producer kept coming back to, like, that has to go. We will make this movie, but that scene has to go. She has to live. We can't have the love interest die, and particularly not in such a horrible manner. And they kept, yeah, fighting for it. So they bring in Robert Harmon, who at that point was a still photographer turned cameraman. He had done a lot of DP work and he was sent the script really just because the producers were looking for someone cheap. And he was looking to shoot a Hitchcockian thriller. He had made a short film before, which was actually very similar. So like, apparently when he read the script, he was like, man, I made the perfect short film to land this job because he had basically already made this movie in short film wow. form. But yeah, he was, he was looking to also bring, to tone it down a little bit, to make it a little bit more subtle and not as in your face. He didn't want to do the hamburger scene. He didn't want to do the girl getting ripped in half to begin with. And then they started looking for who would play John Ryder, the hitcher himself. And they looked at a lot of people. They looked at David Bowie. Wow. Wow, cool. Yep. Who was wow. acting at that point. They looked at Sting. They looked <laughs> at Harry Dean Stanton. Oh, cool. Um, He's cool. They actually talked with Sam Elliott, but he was too scary. Mm. <laughs> I forget Sting was an actor. Like, I think he's in a play right now, or he was going to be in a play. Oh, really? Yeah, I forget Sting was an actor. Well, apparently yeah, Sam Elliott was offered a role, but the pay wasn't enough, some people say. Mm. I'm not sure. They mm. actually then cast Terrence Stamp. Now, Terrence Stamp, if you Google him, I'm sure Christina will know his face. I'm not sure if Evan will or not. He's in a whole bunch of stuff so. known as, as Zod. <laughs> Is that right? Zod? Yeah. But anyway, they cast him and then mm-hmm. he drops out I know him. in the last kind of round, um, mm. eventually turned down the role. And they didn't think that they could get Rutger Hauer, but they sent it to Rutger Hauer. Now, he, at that point, he'd done obviously Blade Runner. He'd done a bunch of other stuff. He had decided that he would not do any more villainous roles because that's what he was known for. And he was like, he was done with playing a baddie. He wanted to, you know, exercise different muscles, do different things. But when he read the script... He was like, this is this is the last role that I should play as a villain. Like, this is worth playing, for sure. Mm. So he, he was so in. good in it. Yeah. Oh, we'll get to it, guys. We'll get to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I but he, he also love didn't... him. Sam. Yes. <laughs> 
He also didn't like the scene with the woman being torn apart. So this is like coming from everyone. But they told him that he's, you know, that he's the baddest guy that there ever was. Red trolled him when he wrote the script. He was thinking of Keith Richards. <laughs> um, so they wanted that wiry look. But the killer was originally meant to have an electronic voice box, you know, like when you smoke too much. Ooh. Oh, yes. yes. Yeah. But the director wanted to make him less monstrous and more on the spectrum of being a human being. Mm-hmm. He was handsome. Yeah, he was. Oh, okay. we'll get to it, guys. <laughs> Slow down. <laughs> so then for the counterpart, they talked about Matthew Modine. They talked about Tom Cruise. They talked about Emilio Estevez. And then they eventually landed on C. Thomas Howell, uh, who was really gripped by the script, obviously cheaper than all of the aforementioned people. This was basically the first role he'd ever done. That he'd he did Outsiders before, him. though. Yeah. I know, but well, when you see him talking about this, he, he literally says this is the first time he ever acted, <laughs> which is like... Okay, but I guess, I well, guess, I guess you this know, is his he's film. doing a lot like, more. Yeah, this is a lot of, yeah. Yeah, you got to do a lot in this. Yeah. Jennifer Jason Lee had already worked with Rutger Hauer on Flesh and Blood, so she was excited just to team up with him again. Mm-hmm. And then they lost, basically, I believe because they're going to keep the woman being torn apart scene, they lost the studio backing. So Mika and Feldman optioned the film themselves. They paid Red $25,000 for the script. Lots of major studios that kept passing on it, as did smaller ones like Orion and New World. Again, everybody had a problem with this, this one scene. And then two studios said they would consider doing it, but it wanted to replace the director because he was a no-name director, essentially. But by that point, the producers had a lot of faith in the director and really, I mean, good for them. Maybe not good for them because maybe they would have made more money if they'd gone with mm. a studio deal with <laughs> a bigger director. But good for the film, in my opinion. They stuck with their guns and said, no, we're keeping this director. Then Donna Dubrov, Dubro, sorry, Donna Dubro heard about the film and she said it sounded to her like Jewel but with a person instead of a truck. So she handed the script over to her boss, HBO senior vice president Morris Singer, who liked it, passed it on up the chain, and eventually they secured their budget through HBO for 5.6 million, but with the stipulation that the violence would be reduced. And a stipulation yet again that the girl would not be ripped apart. Oh, jeez. Over the next few months, the filmmakers changed the eyeball scene to a finger in the hamburger. And they kept fighting for the woman being ripped apart right up until the last minute when eventually they did win out. And they got to do what they wanted to. But we'll talk about it when we get there, how they handle it, though. They filmed the movie in a whole bunch of places between LA and Las Vegas. A lot of it was shot in Death Valley. And yeah, yeah, none of it was shot in Texas where all the cop cars said no. Texas. No, no. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, this is most Texas. this is set in Texas. He's driving from Chicago to San Diego. He's taken a slightly weird route, but it is a route where you go through the top of Texas. Mm-hmm. And I've been on that road quite a lot. It is deserty for sure. It's it not is. quite like this. It doesn't <laughs> like, have Joshua trees though, right? Yucca trees? No. Not to my memory, no. And it's a lot more just flat and barren. You don't get these mountains like this. Like, I feel mm-hmm. for Texas, I might be wrong, but for Texas deserts that have mountains, I think you have to go quite far south. Oh, wow. But whatever. It's fine. It's movies. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, there's no real reason it has to be set in Texas, but I think it's purely because he was driving to Austin is why it's yeah. set in Texas, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and they scrupulously, like, there's a really cool making of this. They scrupulously, like, picked every location. Very, very particular with the DP to do with, like, mm. sun duration, where things are setting. They really, again, he was a still photographer, so that's how he approached this, was wanting to look at it to create these incredible striking imagery. Yeah, the imagery and the vocations were awesome. Beautiful, like, super beautiful. All right, guys, let's get into it. 
Get into it. Film Get started. Ready. Come on. Red titles coming up on a black screen. We've got some moody music and a match is lit. That's the first thing we get is darkness with a match lighting up a mm-hmm. lead's face. Jim Halsey, by the way, I don't know if you guys noticed. <laughs> Go, you remember in Jewel last week, the guy's name is just Man <laughs> mm-hmm. for some obvious allegory. This one, you've got the guy riding, driving the car. It's called Halsey, like he's hauling things from place to place. And of mm. course, the hitcher says his name is is Ryder because he's a writer. That's right, you know. And they were big fans of Jewel. That was obviously an influence here because they're going to mm-hmm. steal some exact things here. Now, I'm, I gotta say, I'm immediately into this movie from the beginning. Like, I love mm-hmm. the mood, I love the music, and I love this light, this match being lit to illuminate the frame for your first shot. I think it's really fucking cool. Yeah. Same. So, Jim's driving through. It's nighttime. There are desert mountains. There's a thunderstorm rolling in from the distance. And it's very evocative. I think this is one of our few sort of matte painting shots where it's definitely an effect, but it looks really cool. And yeah, we're going to see like, they're not wasting time in this movie. There's another small beetle car that's on the road that passes him. And that's going to pay off in a little bit. Mm -hmm. So we're going to see, we're going to see basically what's going to, yeah. We're going to see the previous hitchers kills like before they pick up the hitcher. Or maybe the hitcher's already in the car with them when they overtake. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Also, watching this scene in like the dark really like it really set the mood for the, even though yeah, the daytime and it was comes raining. in later. Yeah, yeah yep. it was intense to watch last night. Actually, mm-hmm. this was the first time I think in our show's history where I insisted that people watch this film in the dark. Because again, for mm-hmm. me, this is a midnight movie for sure. Watching this in the daytime, not the same. So yeah, Jim's starting to nod off as he's driving. The radio tells us it's four fifteen in the morning. We're getting a sunrise is about to happen, which is an interesting time to start a film where, like, you're coming out of night into day. Uh, it starts to rain, and, yeah, he falls asleep at the wheel and nearly drives in directly into a truck, but wakes up to its horns. Now, there are consensus of people out there, by the way, who think that this is the end of the movie. <laughs> that he, he, the entire rest of the movie, because this is a dreamy movie. Some weird shit happens. Mm-hmm. The mood is very dreamlike. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people, normally David Lynch type fans, who believe that Jim does fall asleep at the wheel, as he does, and goes into the front of this truck, and the rest of the movie is actually him after he's died. He's kind of stuck in this weird purgatory. Mm, interesting. I didn't think of that. Yeah. Uh, at all. <laughs> Same. It, it, but obviously, anything can work if you're doing it that way. But um, yeah, we're going to take this literally. He wakes up, and immediately we're going to see a hitcher on the side of the road. He decides to pull over with the line my mother told me to never do this we're not even four <laughs> minutes into the film guys so four minutes into Jewel I think we're still in POV driving out of LA yeah I was like oh wait another person and he talked oh my god yeah and he was very like I have to say this in comparison to Jewel like even from that first scene like I was I was really like really with him when he was like yeah cause he's just it was such a sweet thing to say like oh my mother says like I should never do this like I feel very much more inclined to him than Mr. Man from Duel. But even the, like, writer, I was even more into him than I was mm-hmm. Man, Mr. Man, Mr. Duel Man. Yeah. From the beginning. Just saying. No, I, th- I mean, I'd, again, I don't know what criticisms we're going to have of this movie, but casting for me is not one of them. Like, like yes, mm-hmm. Rukihawa is phenomenal in this film. And I genuinely think one of the greatest screen villains of all time like the way he downplays mm-hmm. everything the way the pathos is coming from him and we'll get to some of his particular lines and this is all Rutger Hauer 
this is like the director wanted to go this way but Rutger Howard just does stuff like we're gonna get in a minute to him placing this blade against his kid's face he's just doing this shit and if you're watching it carefully you're gonna see the actors like he's sweating and he starts to like cry from one of his eyes and Rutger Hauer takes the tear on the end of the knife off of his skin none of that's planned he just starts doing this shit and the actor's like please don't fucking accidentally poke me in the eye with this knife and then there's just weird decisions later that he does like holding a white flat like rag out of a car when he drives off and everyone's like should we ask him why he's doing that it's like no it's (laughs) just let him do what he's doing (laughs) but it all like feeds into this fucking crazy character that's so interesting um, and and honestly, Jim, like this this lead guy, like like you say, sure, he's obviously not as great an actor as Rutger Hauer, but he's totally he like he really gives it his all. He's he very does. empathetic. Mm-hmm. He's handsome just enough. He's not too handsome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's a great balance, I think. And and yeah, like you say, just that first line, I think, is really smart because it lets you feel like, oh, okay, like he cares about his mother and he's like a smart kid and sweet. He was eighteen, by the way, when he shot this movie. Oh, oh he was wow. a baby, yeah. Mm. so yeah jim explains he's dropping the car off in san diego and it's a driveway car which i don't really know what that means but i guess a car they need to like have in some other location so you drive yeah, it for f- you say so you pay mm-hmm. somebody to drive it there and i love immediately when we meet how the hitcher he's he just looks preoccupied like you can tell mm-hmm. his brain's already haunted he looks tired straight mm-hmm. away from the beginning which is so fucking great and then they near the beetle that that we part that passed them earlier and it's on the side of the road and the hitcher just grabs jim's thigh pushes it down so they can accelerate past and jim does the right thing he pulls over immediately and just politely he doesn't smack a ham sandwich out of anyone's hand he's like politely like you should get out of the car please sir and ruka opens the door drops a cigarette out and then says he's not going anywhere he shuts the door but we're shown that it didn't shut properly and then he just says he just needs a gas station. That's all he needs. So, so Jim's like, all right, fine. I'll take you to a gas station. But then just, and again, it's just the way he does these lines. Like there's no menace. He's not trying to be spooky. Mm-mm. He's not angry. And then he just reveals casually that he doesn't actually need gas. Yeah. And then does, does a little sort of cackle. But again, it's not evil. <laughs> it's just sort of almost like, oh yeah, that's amusing, isn't it? <laughs> and then we get, uh, yeah, an immediate drop. We're, again, we're just a few minutes in. <laughs> And there's no build up. There's no slow burn with this. Like he's going to say, what do you want? And then, and then Rutger says, that's what the other guy said. And he says, which other guy? And then he says, the one that he just hits from in the beetle. And he says, he cut off his legs. He cut off his arms. He cut off his head. And I'm going to do the same to you. Mm-hmm. So fucking good. <laughs> he's so good. He's so charming. Like the hitcher. <laughs> he is. Yeah, he's really... Just slick. He just He's a slick. says so much without even saying anything. Well, this mm-hmm. is going to be the difference is that, again, and we're talking about just the broad portrayals in media, but with Jewel, we talked about a lot about class. We talked about how they were looking at, you know, the working class, the blue collar worker being the truck driver. We don't get to see him, but just from the boots and the inference of everything. That's what it is. And we're definitely going to get it into it in the later films we're going to do in this series in terms of they like to paint blue collar workers as like, dangerous hicks you know (laughs) and that's a trope of the horror industry that's been pretty bad here we have someone far more menacing who is definitely well read (laughs) he's definitely very intelligent Mm -hmm. Um, dressed good oh yeah yeah. 
I have oh, to yeah. say too. Evan's really into him. I'm really into him. I am. <laughs> he's charming. He's handsome. I mean, I know he's evil, but whatever. Pick and choose your <laughs> we battles. Can live but with he that. he looks like you know the guy in Duel. Like there was a long shot of him when he was like he had the really striking blue eyes. Like you thought it was going to be him. Rutger Howard looks like that dude, casting wise. Yeah, he's like that, but more wiry. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, so like they're gonna, they're gonna, and then this is the thing. Like honestly, for me, like this move just keeps subverting. Like you don't expect him to pick up the hitcher straight away, and if he does, you expect it to be a slow burn. You don't expect the hitcher to immediately say, "I'm gonna fucking murder you and tear you to pieces." Mm-hmm. And then after that, you think, "Well, at least they're in an isolated place, so we're gonna play to all of these tropes." Nope, they go to roadworks immediately with mm-hmm. workers that could save him, Ooh. and instead, Rutger shows he has a switchblade presses it against his groin and then this fucking great scene where he acts like they're lovers and this is his toy boy and he's like holding his crotch it's so good and the fact that it's i would notice it was really progressive the fact that the guy didn't say anything he was like all right sweethearts keep on going like for the 80s to say that yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's true I don't know if it was a positive sweetheart. So I feel like it was a little bit like all right sweetheart it didn't i thought it was going to be more negative yeah it wasn't yeah. It was more just kind of like whatever. Mm-hmm. And any other actor is going to like blow this kiss back like Rutger Hauer does, and it was going to look cheesy and stupid and just like, but he does it in this way that just feels delicious. <laughs> like, it's, it's his so gaze. It's like the eyes. It's so like there's nothing extra there, extraneous. Again, we're nine minutes into this movie, including credits Jeez. and everything. Like, and we are fucking in it. Which I'm going to say now, I know a lot of people who love the opening of this movie. But then they're like, how can it possibly keep this pace up? And for them, it doesn't. Um, but we'll see. I don't know. So Rutger starts telling Jim all about what it's like to puncture eyeballs and throats. And then we have, for me, the best line and the most important line in the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Because we're not going to get much explanation for this. For either of them. We're actually not going to learn anything about either of these characters' backgrounds, where they come from. That line mm-hmm. about his mother is all we get about jim basically and this is this is my favorite line is when jim turns to the hitcher and says what do you want and the hitcher just and again he's whispering a lot of these lines like he can barely get them out or even cares if anyone hears them he just says i want you to stop me and that's it and it's like this you immediately get this like this tight we don't know we can only like project onto him but this idea of someone who can't stop what he's doing and he wants to commit suicide and it's brilliant like for me like to have villains normally they don't want to die themselves they want to cause harm to other people and normally they want to get away with it and what makes the hitcher both really enticing and terrifying for me is that he doesn't want either of those things he knows he's gonna die at the end of this he knows he's not gonna get away with this stuff he's on a suicide path and he doesn't care anymore and that is so much scarier so Um, good he's so good and i mean just like no i guess we'll get into but like the the extremes both characters bring each other to like it's so i mean i think in that sense like of course we you know established this series with like how duel was the grandfather for it but like i don't know like the way that the good guy our good guy goes Jim. jim yeah the way that like jim just kind of like levels up in a way that's not really pathetic which i didn't like duel i don't know i felt like he was a little bit he was a little bit pathetic like i don't know i wasn't a big fan of him but jim just is so like anti-hero kind of in his own way 
Yeah, no, Jim is definitely... And there's a parallel going on here, for sure. Yeah. One of the big messages that they wanted in this movie and, and that the writer was saying is that the Hitcher is meant to be trying to prepare Jim, basically. Mm-hmm. It's like a rite of passage. It's like, this is a kid mm-hmm. who's 18 going out into the world and the Hitcher is purposely training him not to become the Hitcher, not to become a murderer, but to deal with people like him in the world. And that's such an interesting conceit to have in a horror film. It's like, I'm not going to punish you for being a teenager. Instead, I'm going to like train you to be ready to deal with the shit that you're not ready for yet in this world. And there was this beautiful bit in the making of where the actor who plays Jim, I think it was him. Oh, no, actually, I think it was the director. I can't remember. One of the key crew members is saying, by the end of the movie, if Jim could go back in time and not pick up the hitcher and just have his normal drive and have not encountered any of this madness it's meant to be implied that he potentially wouldn't like the end result of this is he has learned so much and he's learned so much about himself and he's become such a stronger person because of this experience that it was worth it um and he ended up saving think about all how many lives he saved by killing him you know sure yeah Mm -hmm. Um, but i think it's such an interesting thing to think about i like the thing the challenges that we have in life and the things that seem terrible but what they help create in us if we Mm -hmm. can deal with them properly and how honestly like you shouldn't want to exchange those experiences for anything because they will build you and make you stronger you know like now yeah yes like right now yeah i mean maybe we shouldn't maybe we should change this i don't know i mean i yeah i know yeah i know i know yeah I, 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 but I, I you can't change it so cannot the sun is rising again if we haven't said it the visuals stunning like this dp mm-hmm. work is fantastic mm-hmm. and jim's imploring him he's like saying i'll do anything i'll do anything and rutger says okay then fine then just say four words that's all you got to do just say four words and he wants him to say oh, i so want to brilliant. die <laughs> but his delivery is so good again there's no sensationalism to it it's just like so just like on the level and jim doesn't want to obviously say that he wants to die and then he notices the door ajar sign so he screams pushes her to get out of the car and gets incredibly excited as you would <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's really great again similar to yeah similar to Matt and Jewel but this just feels more relatable (laughs) and I feel like this is the moment where Ryder is like doesn't want to kill him anymore now he's like oh shit now he's on now he's in for the ride Mm -hmm. I agree a hundred percent this is the moment when Ryder decides okay I'm going to teach you now yeah not that I'm going to punish you I'm going to teach you Mm -hmm. yeah it's such a beautiful like shot too of just like him like staggering and like in the rain and like I don't know when like Jim sees like the raindrop drip off his nose too and like oh yeah oh so very good sensual. there are a lot of people it was well very who, sensual no, it no, was. there's a lot of people who interpret this movie as a homoerotic movie which the crew were all like look it's fine if people want to interpret that that's not their intention because it's not mm-hmm. about sex you know like this isn't about sensuality it's not about male or female or anything like that yeah you know? It's just writers just so sensual. He just can't help it. He's just oozing with sex. It's like a really violent "Call Me by Your Name." <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's a that, that's a great. They should put that on the box. That's great. Jeez. And this shot, yeah, it's Rutger Hauer stands, and as you as you're saying, Christine, at the moment where he's deciding, okay, you're worth like, and it's giving him something to live for for a little bit more because you just oh, feel yeah. like he's done. He's done. He's like, this is fun. Finally, somebody like steps up to the plate. Mm-hmm. Yep. and the camera's like really low to the ground and then just like as he stands it like gets so close to him and then just tilts to look straight up him and it's fucking amazing it's such a wonderful shot mm-hmm. 
So now it's day. We've got proper music coming in. Some cool score with this. Again, very dreamlike most of the time, which is an interesting choice. And little lovely touches, like the road is still wet, which they wouldn't have had the money to like control a lot of this so that they have mm. to have just done a couple of key shots and be smart about it but it works yeah jim's going to keep driving then he thinks he's done with it a wagoneer is going to pull in front of him towing a boat and we've got these two kids with fake guns oh, shooting out the back God. and then there's suddenly i mean i don't know where your head your, your heads are guys because this is the thing when you watch these movies you know to contrive things that are going to happen but this movie for me just keeps doing them sooner than you ever think it's like and then subverting them it's like, we're, it, I didn't expect the hitch to just pop up again suddenly. And he's in the back of this truck. I oh, did. I knew I it. Knew. I, I also knew it. I knew. I was like, oh, I was like no. they're fucked. Yeah, he's in there. He's in the boat. Oh, no. Fucking love it. And then, yeah, Jim was in a really great mood. And then he starts freaking out. So he's pulling over to the car <laughs> to like, tell him to pull over. And then, yeah, nearly goes into a bus. He knocks off his bumper. And then the Wagoneer gets ahead. And then when he eventually catches up to the Wagoneer, it's just off the road. And again, the absence of music in some of these moments makes it really haunting. Like the fact Wait. that he keeps getting to these cars. What? There was like a moment too that was like, I thought was so, so brilliant when they were showing like him with like the rider with the family. It's like he had his arm around the oh, yeah. little girl and gave her like a kiss on the forehead. <laughs> yeah. And like the kids were like playing with him. Like that was... Like, I'm really, I am glad that they kind of edited out a lot of the originally intended violence because just like, you just know, like, I feel like it makes it so much darker to just imagine what happened. Yeah, you don't than, need like, to, to see, see it. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, I agree. Exactly. The inference is much better, much better. It's just, and his, just seeing his eyes, you just, you know, yeah, yeah. you don't have to see it because of him. Like, he pulls it off. I mean, everybody pulls it off, but yeah. Like, the understatement really is brilliant in yeah, this Yeah, it's movie. a completely... With a different actor, it's a completely different movie. With a different actor, these scenes are seedy and just overplayed. And even with an excellent actor, you know. But like you guys are saying, there's just something in Rooker's eyes and his performance and his handsomeness. And he's just at the right age. And, like, all mm -hmm. of these elements where he just like yeah again you see him in that and it makes you shiver but you also know like he's not in it for fun like he's not in it like he doesn't he's he, he's not like in it for a seedy reason to rape people and to do like this he's just like this is what he does he's gonna like kill these people because that he's playing a game now but not for enjoyment yeah yeah so you're right we don't need to see it and when jim does catch up it's really fucking haunting because the wagon is just off the road and we get this great shot through the car as he's peering in and blood's just dripping. So he runs, and then like, he's just great natural reactions. He runs back to his car, he throws up, which most films wouldn't do. And then just gets the fuck out of there. He doesn't know what a hitcher is, but he's like, he's just got to get on to the next place he can. And there's not like Jewel, not like many of these movies, lots of desert shots. He's just like, he's immediately there. He's at the little desert, like little desert gas station. And it's all very, this scene is like very dreamlike. There's a fucking sandstorm blowing in, which mm -hmm. obviously oh, that sand was coincidental. Oh, huge. That was crazy. So great. But it gives this whole scene amazing personality. Do you think that was a real sandstorm? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Like, there's no way they could afford something like that for this. Like, it's, it's, they didn't talk about it in the making of, but like, there's no way. If they had caught, done that themselves, I think they'd be very proud of it. But it's so, it's so dense. Didn't the sand get in, like, all the equipment and stuff? Like, what a night... Like, it's visually amazing. What a technical nightmare that sounds like. Oh, yeah. There's stuff later that we'll talk about, like... Because this is back in the days where things went wrong all the time. And, yeah. Jeez. Broke stuff and people nearly get hurt. He finds a payphone there. It's deserted. The payphone doesn't work. And then just somehow... And this is the beginning of the Phantom, really. The hitch is just there. 
Mm-hmm. It's just there. We don't know how we got there. Most of the time, I feel they're giving us just enough time to like infer the geography is like, okay, I can figure out a way maybe the Hitcher could have got to each of these places. But this is the one time where it's like he just seems to appear. Yeah. And yeah, Jim's left his fucking keys in his car, I think is what he's doing. And the Hitcher just yeah. gives him his keys back, which is amazing. Because this is when you know, all right, he Game wants on. this to continue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he just throws him at his feet and then walks away. And then almost in a daze, Jim watches him just hitch another ride with another couple. Mm-hmm. And just drive off into the windy, dusty, dusty day. Uh, and then we're going to cut forward a little bit. We don't know for how long. Jim's driving. Beautiful open desert road. Clear sunny sky. And then again, you're like, all right, we're going to settle. Nope. <laughs> the hitcher just turns up again. Now driving the truck that, of course, he was just hitching in. And bashes it into the back of Jim's car. No flirting like Jewel. Just straight fucking in. And he genuinely, look, it's so great. Like, look at his faces. He just looks bored and kind of disappointed in Jim. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then he just drives off into the desert. He just like fucks with him for a bit, looks disappointed with how Jim's handling stuff, drives off into the desert. Jim pulls off and we get another great shot as the camera floats into the car to see Jim's face. And uh, yeah, this kid's face is like, it does hold a screen really well. Mm-hmm. Like, but then, yeah, so he continues on, <laughs> finds a more regular, what are you laughing at? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you doing all right? Yeah. Me and heaven. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Good face. He's handsome. They're both handsome. That doesn't make that movie, you know, it makes it a little bit easier to watch, not going to lie. <laughs> I like a handsome villain. For sure. Yes, yeah, so we get some more regular gas stop. Uh, but we haven't mentioned he's also got a red card, just like Jewel. So it oh, pops, yeah. It's more like nice Maroon. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. All right. You get pedantic. <laughs> yeah, the store's closed. I love that every place he goes to, he seems to try the wrong door first. <laughs> I want to say also, why is everyone just keeping their stores unlocked? Like, this man just walks in. Or is that this scene, like, he, like, walks in, sees it's abandoned? I feel what, like the gas walking, station? Think, yeah. Part of it, yeah, part of it's locked. I think it's only part of it's open to public for, like, the necessary things. The garage was open. But still, like, I don't know. Just people are leaving things unlocked. Different time, him. Yeah. <sighs> You're in the middle of the time. desert. Jeez. Yeah. And then, again, you think, all right, we're going to get some downtime. No, the fucking hitcher just comes barreling through the garage doors, driving straight through them, and then knocks over the gas pumps. Mm-hmm. And it's insane. No um, lizards this time. No snakes. Yeah, I mean, this is that scene, right? Oh, yeah, this yeah. scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Done to high octane. So this scene, when they were trying to plan it out, they had stunt drivers, obviously. And the stunt drivers showed, okay, well, to get out of that garage door and then hit the pumps, you have to go out, hit right, and then I've got to, like, go forward and then reverse a bit to turn around, you know, to do, like, mm-hmm. the thing they needed to do. They tried it, like, twice to show how they were going to do it. And Rutger Hauer's sitting there, like, watching them. And then he just goes, all right, let's roll. You let me try this. And he just gets in the car instead of the stunt driver and pulls off this insane move that we see in the film. And all the stunt drivers are just like aghast. <laughs> They're like, we don't know how the fuck he did this. And he's a crazy person. This is just how he was on set. He's just like a Dang. fucking force of nature. But that Jeez. wasn't really gas in there, right? No, of course not. No, of course not. <laughs> just yeah, checking. Not. <laughs> That'd be insane. <laughs> I mean, it makes, uh, like, it's just, it's just so unpredictable how he's going to work each time. It's great. 
Is he still alive? No, no. Look at how it passed away. I think only last year. Yeah, Sad. not that long ago. Sad. Yeah, so he gyms out of his car and, and, and the, the hitcher could just run him over right here. But instead, he just like stops in front of him. Jim's bathed in gasoline. So is the hitcher's truck, to be fair. But yeah, that's what I thought. I'm like, but you're going to blow up too. <laughs> yeah, but no, invincible. And then he stops, pulls out a match and starts to drop it. As we get one of our only bits of slow-mo in this film, apparently in the script, there was a lot of slow-mo going on. They really toned it down. Mm. Yeah, Jim just like running as the gas station ignites. And this is a proper explosion. This isn't a normal, this is like out of control <laughs> it mm -hmm. starts burning then things start going off and then we get honestly one of the best what like i was watching this with katie and we both applauded at this moment the shot of jim's car with flames all over it mm -hmm. skidding out onto the road and the entire gas stop just exploding behind him it was so good i have to say too it looked like the way you know go, cutting between like the hitcher and then Jim's shoes running. It looked like he was like waiting, waiting to give Jim like enough like time to run and make it out. Like, oh, like let's let's give you a head start because he could have just dropped the match before when he was scrambling, but he like waited. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't want to kill him. He just wants to chase him. Yeah. Yeah. It, a, I mean, Jim's giving him yeah reason to keep living mm, for a yeah. bit, and he knows Jim will be the eventual death of him. Mm, he just wants to teach so him good. a few things along the way. Fucking love it. This, I mean, this explosion, this gas explosion, it reminds me of, you know, the beginning of From Dust Till Dawn where they walk out and the whole thing mm -hmm. like blows up behind them as they're walking. It's got that kind of vibe to it, but even better, in my opinion. So we're now going to be introduced to our female counterpart, Jennifer Jason Lee. We're 25 minutes into the movie before we even introduce this character. Was originally in the first draft of the script, was originally a romance character. Like they did end up having sex in the motel. Very glad they don't in the film. Yeah, I, I mean, with all that going too. on, like, when do you have time to do that, you know? Yeah, well, think of Terminator 1. Like, they were literally getting pursued by this cyborg, and they still had time to conceive a child, get a little bit of their jollies in. Look, there's something to be said for, like, people in, in the extreme situations, which has been proven. This is what happens, like, sometimes, mm -hmm. where they're just like, well, we've got a moment. We just need to, like, you know, we want to distract and to live and blah, blah, blah. But this film, you do not have time. <laughs> like, there's no way they're thought no, to ever like, have sexy time. Honestly, like, even, like, the shower, like, I'm like, if I, I was in that situation, I'd be like, don't fucking close the door. We're going to be together. If you're going to take a shower, got to go and sit on the toilet. <laughs> He's, he's really concerned with being clean, which I kind of like about this movie. Because he cleans yeah. himself up twice in this film. He's I about know. to do it now. I know. Yeah, so she's getting dropped off by bus at a diner restaurant in the desert, which looks fucking cool. I'm really yeah, it's so cool. Place. I know, right? <laughs> she's opening it up. Um, and Jim is there at the door and he convinces her to open up because he's got to call the cops. Again, there's no downtime still. Like every scene is something happening. Mm -hmm. So he, he gets hold of the cops. There's nothing wrong. He calls the cops. They're going to come to the restaurant. She cooks him up a burger. We get a really long shot of this burger, by the way. I know. I know. I thought it was like a really cool choice because like when do you ever get, it was almost like a food commercial. Like, and the burger looked good. It makes me yeah. really hungry right now. I yeah. actually kind of want a burger. I know. I wrote down if Christina made a sandwich during Jewel, for sure she's gone off to make a burger during this movie. The burger meat's not defrosted. Damn. Goddamn. Goddamn. I have meat that's defrosted. Actually, I'm going to order a burger. It wouldn't stop this diner. They'd, they'd cook it from defrosted. Are from you going to order a burger right now? 
not right now i have postmates so probably after this when, when we get to like towards the end of this podcast it'll be here by the time we're done <laughs> i genuinely kind of want to as well <laughs> I'm scared. So yeah, we're going to get this uh, delicious burger. And no words yet really between them, which I really like. She just thinks to do something nice, which again, this is the pet the cat moment. She's just going to meet him, let him in while being a little worried. It doesn't mm -hmm. hurt that he's a handsome man. <laughs> for mm -hmm. sure. And then she's going to cook him up a burger. And she tells him it took the cops 45 minutes to come for a guy who got shot <laughs> in that diner and eventually died. <laughs> Small um, town. And I like... I really like the scene because the vibe between the two of them feels pretty genuine. It doesn't feel yeah. too flirty. It's good. It was really great. They had a lot of chemistry. You could tell them like... Yeah, they did. Yeah, but it's it's not like... It's not forced chemistry. You know, you could no. tell like in a different circumstance, maybe they would find each other attractive. But in this circumstance, it's just like, yeah, like she's at work and he's in need of help and it just feels right. Mm-hmm. Um, great scene so loved it this is where things are going to get surreal again and again one of the places where people are like this is all the dream and he died at the beginning because he's going to be eating fries very slowly <laughs> wait did we talk about how when he was in the bathroom how that was like the direct like it was a completely parallel if not mirror shot of like the guy and of man in duel in the bathroom you're right mm -hmm. yeah no we didn't talk about only without any vo <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I feel like also the long shots of him eating and the like long shots of silence, it's like the implied VO, like what uh, Spielberg would have wanted man to like yes. those scenes, well, which I thought well, was Well, you let the cool. acting and the directing tell the story rather yeah. than having to get inside his head. Yeah, I agree completely. And, and I'm just going to say this now, which I think is obvious from how I talked about it. Like, this is a better film than Duel. Like whether you oh, like so love this better. film or not, this is better. And mm. people are getting really upset when you're like, and I think it's not just the acting and everything else. This is better directed. And I appreciate, you know, it's quite a bit of time later, but it seems sacrilege to say that this director is better than Spielberg when tackling a very similar subject, but I think he is. And it's heartbreaking that he hasn't really seemed to live up to that in his future films. Mm. Whereas obviously Spielberg just improved and improved from where he was at. Yeah, he's going to pull out a finger. So this was originally meant to be an eyeball in the hamburger. They changed it to a finger in the fries because they didn't think it was as nasty. Whose finger it is? Don't know. How it got there? Bewildering. Yeah, I was wondering. <laughs> yeah, that's the one thing that I was like, mm, I don't know. Is it a how? dream? Yeah. That's what yep. I thought too. Or just like, how did he do that? How did he put the knife in the pocket? How did he put the finger there? Hmm these are the oh, things well, actually, again that makes sense for this stuff in the podcast remember he got into jim's car to take his keys out but then I mean, how like, did he put the finger there yeah there are bits with the director and uh, saying like yeah, he's had a lot of people come up to him who like pick for it and they go like yeah but how did the hitcher get from here to here or how did this thing happen or, this doesn't work and he's like if you're looking at this film on that super real minute level then you're missing the point like that's not mm. what this movie yeah is, it's basically. true i mean it doesn't take away from the movie it's just like if you're gonna pick up pick it apart if you're you know but whatever. No, and we're going. That's our <laughs> job. That's what we do. We're doing a podcast, so we have to pick it apart. And no, it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And I do think, yes, as to make this film a perfect movie, it has to work in both ways. So you can go, okay, just about I work out how the Hitcher did all these things. But also, it feels a little surreal and like you could be a ghost or a specter or something. You're right, Christina. You died. No, it's okay, guys. I'm fine. Cool. Luckily, you're not here in the room. <laughs> You're all gonna, or else you'd all be looking at me like, <laughs> you're a long way away. Maybe you just need a good burger. 
He goes outside to throw up and this is where the cops turn up and they immediately want to arrest him and this is where we're going to learn and I'm not entirely sure how but things have been implemented from the previous scenes. We're presuming they started to find these other bodies and that things have been basically left to like frame Jim more because the hitcher just doesn't seem to exist. Like no one obviously who sees him lives normally. And yeah, so but it, but it is kind of weird. The young cop like, we've got young cop and, and older cop. I'm glad they don't play it too much for comedy because they are a little bit bumbling. Mm-hmm. Like, most mm-hmm. of the cops in this. But then, yeah, they go to arrest him and then they find a switchblade with blood on it. Yeah, this is where we're going to find out. At some point, the Hitcher planted this on him, which obviously is going to not make him look great. So they go to take him away and then Jennifer comes out and they share this moment as he's driven away where he just looks into her eyes. <laughs> I believe that's enough to know for some of the stuff she's going to be doing later. Mm-hmm. and then we're going to see where he's trying to prove that he is who he says he is and it's so funny now to think of this stuff you know like you can't it's like well who are you it's like well now i'll be like well go on my social media take out your phone and ring up all these people check like anything you need like all your information is proved in so many ways that you exist and who you are and what your history is here it's like he doesn't have his wallet so he doesn't have his id he doesn't have any bank cards or anything like that so they have no way to prove who he is. I'm just like, we, is, we have no way to know. It's like crazy. I mean, right, actually right before I watched Hitcher last night, I watched The Lighthouse with William Defoe. Oh, really? And Robert Pattinson. It was interesting, you know, like how easy it is to like, you know, lose yourself or lose your identity, or like give up your identity. And like, I was watching like Hitcher and I was like, it's that easy. Like you could be mistaken that easily. Yeah, again, this is very much of the time. Like, this whole film would be very different now, sadly, which makes these movies very hard to make nowadays. But yeah, like, it's frustrating, but also realistic to the time. Like, it's just, it's hard mm-hmm. to necessarily imagine now. They try to ring two different people the car company's going to be dropping off with. They don't pick up. They try to ring his brother. He doesn't pick up, or they don't let it ring out for long enough. So yeah, it doesn't look great. So they decide to lock him up for the night because they got people coming in from Austin tomorrow to deal with this whole situation. But I do like this again, like normal horror films, but all right, let's push this misunderstanding. Let's push everyone to be on his tail. As soon as he leaves the room, the main mustache policeman like turns to the others and says, clearly that guy's not the killer. Like anyone yeah. can tell. I like that they killer. added that. Me too. Not that they added, but that that was there, you know? It feels like- No one's being stupid real, in this movie. More real. It's a yeah. smart movie, which I really yeah, appreciate. Like Duel felt- a little bit like why are you doing the things you do like it didn't make sense like why are you gonna smack the sandwich out of his hand but like with this movie it's very <laughs> it's very smart up and even like the girl i'm gonna have to say the love interest like when she was like oh you're not really listening to me it's fine like yeah. i don't yeah. know all the characters are intelligent mm-hmm. agreed uh, up until we can argue whether she's intelligent when she does what she's gonna do in a bit <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, true yeah. true but no i agree everyone's making decisions that fill out which is great I mean, he's going to have this dream here while he's in the cell of the Hitcher. It's nice and short. And there's a really nice little note at the end of it. When the Hitcher, like, knocks on his door, they replace the knock with gunshots. Mm. Which is a really nice sound design thing. I didn't because notice that. Because that's the thing of, like, inference. You know when you're dreaming and sounds from real life into, get interpreted into your yes, dream? Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Because the Hitcher's in that. If the Hitcher, we're going to learn, is broken into the police station and has killed everybody and those gunshots that he interprets into his dream are the gunshots happening in the police station yes i have to say now we're talking about dreams i did have a hitcher dream last night a very hitcher inspired dream it was like raining like super dark like it felt like it was you know mixture of 
mixture of picture in the lighthouse but like it was super duper dark and i was on this deserted street like by myself and my car was in just darkness like it was so dark there was no street lights and i saw someone like by my car you and sure I this knew. wasn't just your nighttime drives that you're doing no uh, <laughs> i was asleep this time are you sleep driving maybe using your hands not your feet no i only drive <laughs> with my toes i only sleep drive with my feet but I was very much like, oh, this person's trying to get a ride, like get into my car. And it was so scary. Like it was a really scary, like intense, like I'm gonna die if I go towards my car right now. And then I Good. woke up and I was like, ooh, it's still raining outside. It's still dark. And the hitcher, like the screen was still on. So like, I looked <laughs> over and I was like, um, like it was like the beginning shot of just like a William Defoe, like or like in the car looking. And I was like, this is too much. This is too much. Wait, William Dafoe was in your dream? Oh, no, she's not, not William Dafoe, not William Dafoe. I mean the the other, our friend, writer. writer. Our friend. Good old Rutger. I'm glad they're getting under your skin. That's good. Did you also notice heaven might get under your skin in the background of the of the cell? There's a bunch of like graffiti art and stuff. And one of them has the black handprint from the Blair Witch Project. <laughs> I, like saw, I saw a handprint. <laughs> I'm done. Don't talk to me about the Blair Witch. We're leaving Ellie in the woods. (laughs) Yeah, uh, this is... I love this as well. Again, talk about Dream Like. He wakes up out of the dream and his cell door is just open. And a a phone is ringing somewhere in the distance. And the dog. Oh my god, that was so good. I appreciate that Ryder won't do something. He won't hurt the dog. Little kids, that's free game, but the dog... Good this man. says something about him. Yeah, good man. <laughs> He's a good man. He's yeah, a that's good right. guy. Yeah. I wrote down here with like 10 exclamation marks. Yeah, I love this fucking movie. Uh, just this atmosphere as he's walking through the police station. It's all deserted. Yeah, this dog walks down the corridor, looks at him. Very, very like Lynchian, but in a more sort of narrative way. He follows the dog. The phone just then starts ringing again, and then he finds the dog licking the blood off of one of the dead policemen. And then he looks Jeez. around and sees they're all dead. Cops start turning up outside. He obviously looks guilty as hell, so he grabs a gun that's in one of the policemen's hands. Yep, not checking if it's loaded or not, because presumably this cop just used that gun. And then that's runs. smart, though. I wouldn't have checked either. Yeah. I would have grabbed two guns, so at least. <laughs> and then some gorgeous shots. One right by road as he walks towards us and a car whizzes by in the extreme foreground. Like, it's really cool. So he gets away through all these, like, rocks. And, yeah, it's really, like, it's a genuine jump. as well. Like, just watching him walk towards us and suddenly just right in front of the camera, there's this, as this car, like, goes by and it's like, fuck. And you don't realize that the camera is set up right in front of this road. And then he finds a store. Again, every scene, it's not like loads of desert. Like, they're giving us something, a different thing in each scene. Finds a store, there's a phone booth, but as he's entering the phone booth, a pair of cops turn up, so he has to pull his gun out on them and decides he's got to take control. And this is his crossing point where he's like, I have to now, like, yeah, start breaking the law. It was a good move. I supported that move. I was like, that's smart. I would do the same thing. That was a good move. Yeah, like, I mean, that was insane to me, though, too. I was a little bit like, how did the hitcher, like, get in, like, all these cops with their loaded guns and training, like, kill them? But then, like, I'm glad, like, you know, it's like what the authority has been taken out. Like, what was originally like supposed to be like oh the authority like it was gonna you know be his saving grace like damn i don't know that was very eloquent sorry guys no no that's what that's what Mm -hmm. it's something that i know rubs some people the wrong way for me personally it's all i need to know like this is a figure like 
mm-hmm. you know, the classic slasher icons and stuff in terms of like he's just he can do all of this stuff. Yeah. But this is one that's just more relatable, got more pathos, more melancholy in him, and I love that. Love it. So yeah, he pulls his gun out, gets gets one of the cops to cuff the other one, gets him to get into the car and to start driving. Now I would immediately, by the way, once I've got these cops in my control, I would explain what's going on. Because that would be the first thing I'd want to do. But he's yeah. just trying to get through to the captain. So he says, can you just call through the captain? Because I need to explain it. And he looks really pained when they say they've been hijacked over there. It's such a nice little note. Like, they're over the walkie-talkie thing at CB Radio saying to the captain, like, that they've been hijacked. And you see Jim kind of wince with this because he's, like, ashamed of what he's had to become. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's really cool. And, yeah, he's briefly explained. It's not properly. I would be like, look, sit down. We're going to take 10 minutes, and I'm going to explain to you everything that happened. And he briefly basically just says, look, it wasn't me. There's this other guy. The captain promises he's going to treat him fairly if he surrenders. So he says, all right, I'm trusting you, captain. Oh, my God, this next part. <laughs> so then good. the fucking hitcher just drives up next to them. <laughs> the stupid just, truck, though. <laughs> just blows the cops away. And it's fucking brilliant. Again, every time you think you get a handle, like you're like, cool, Jim, you're doing the right thing in this uh-huh. scene. The hitcher just suddenly turns up and subverts it completely. And it's oh, it's great. Impeccable timing. Impeccable. And then like, Jim's reaction too. I like that it's not like, it's never too heroic. Like it is a proper amount of panic and terror yeah. for someone in that situation. Like he's not just like suddenly takes calm control of the vehicle. He like he freaks out, understandably and rightfully so. He's covered in these cops' blood. Like one of their heads has exploded. Like he's he's trying to he's like, trying to, like, like get steer. control of this car, and he's already at breaking point. And he wanders out into the desert, takes his gun, and, yeah, thinks about killing himself. That is one of my favorite scenes in this movie, honestly. It's just so... I mean, it kind of does, like, echo the duel ending a little bit of, like, when he's just, like, on his knees and, like... uh, It's just so subtle, like, how he picks up the gun and, like... I think it's a really beautifully shot scene. You know, it's just so well done, such a juxtaposition to, like, his hero's journey, like, later on in the end. Like, he has a really great hero's journey, I think, in this whole film. Yeah, he does. And there's a beautiful scene here, which is, yeah, that scene, is, is, it was kind of accidental. So they're shooting it, and they're shooting the master of him as he's doing all of his emotions. And then he's meant to look up, and yeah, purely by, you know, they didn't mean it to happen, but the cloud moves, and the sun just, like, came out. And you can see in the shot, suddenly he gets bathed in light. And the actor just decided to go with it. Because the actor was like, well, what am I going to do? Like, he, like this, it's fucked up the shot, clearly, but I'm just going to go with it. And he, like, looks up and uses it as his determination now of, like, whether you want to look at it in a religious way, whether you want to just look at it as him mm. connecting with the universe on a larger spectrum. But his light suddenly, like, bathing him and the determination and turning point for him to go, no, I'm not going to kill myself. I'm going to fight back. And you call cut. And as the act was saying, normally what a director and a DP are going to say is like, all right, well, we had a change in cloud, so we're going to have to redo that shot, you know, because you plan for what you're going to do. And if it gets fucked up, you're like, well, that failed. So let's try again. They didn't. They're like, that was amazing. That was wonderful. That was this magical moment. They noticed that what they planned had become even better by natural circumstance and mistake. And so the DP was like, cool, there's another cloud coming. Let's just switch the camera around. We're going to do a new shot, get that sun coming out from behind that cloud, have that connecting moment between the two of them. And it's such a great scene because of that. And it's purely by accident, Mm -hmm. you know, and purely by crew members being smart enough to go with that, which is sadly really rare on film sets. (laughs) 
People get stuck. It's really brilliant scene. Love it. Anyway, so then he starts walking and he gets to Roy's Motel and Cafe, which I think is definitely a nod because we've got Chuck's Cafe and Jewel. We've got Roy's Cafe here. Mm-hmm. And yeah, once again, he gets the wrong door as he's trying to go in, which just keeps happening. I don't know if it was planned <laughs> in the like character it. trait or if it was just like, no, this actor kept pushing rather than pulling on the wrong door. <laughs> and he's in this cute little fucking diner cafe. This place is great. So cute. Um, it's great and roy's great as well he asked him what happened he says nothing yeah he genuinely seemed concerned what a nice man and also i like that i don't know jim is just like like i don't know like in duel like the guy was just such an asshole but like yeah it's just so like no nothing i just i just need a cup of coffee like it's interesting too like I, i keep coming back to like the really like humanizing like little things about this character and like how smart it is like you know i've definitely had those moments of like fuck like all i want is just like a burger i'm saying that now because i'm hungry we're getting it a cup of coffee (laughs) but just uh he he just plays exhaustion and resignation so well yes and once again i mean again i don't know maybe i'm speaking for myself and you guys know but like every scene i'm like okay well here's where we're gonna get that little bit of downtime here's where we're gonna introduce a different character we're gonna build some story he puts his hand in his his hand in his palms Uh, nope the hitcher just suddenly sitting opposite him (laughs) in this diner and you're like there's no fucking break it's just constant like something it's not always action but it's constant subversion of the hitcher just like turning up and messing with him and it's so great so he pulls his gun on the hitcher under the table Rutger just tells him that the gun's empty and yep the gun is empty because he tries to shoot him and he asks him why he's doing it but wait wait can we talk about how the hitcher is like i'm gonna put my gun up to you and it's just a fucking oh, yeah. finger gun i know I and he know. bangs the table like it's just so so, so smart good. so, so good. like oh yeah and jim doesn't yeah jim doesn't know jim genuinely thinks he's probably got a gun under the table yeah, yeah he does which again he wants him he wants him to kill him so he's asking the hitcher why he's doing it to which he says you're a smart kid figure it out it might, i mean maybe he does the audience are we smart because i don't know how many viewers figured it out also when he puts the coins over his eyes like i think i think that's a reference like in grecian mythology when you put like the coins over the dead so you have coins to give to i forgot the guy over the river sticks yes Yes. so Mm -hmm. brilliant yeah that's what i used to do in many many cultures as you put yeah the pennies over the eyes to pay uh the ferryman it's a, it's a beautiful imagery. It's really lovely. It's lovely as well. They do slightly sexualize it. He licks these pennies to like then stick them to his eyes. <laughs> Call me by your Just name. Intimacy. <laughs> and then he walks away and he's left him with six bullets mm-hmm. and, a, and a crystal. There's like a little yeah. rock Yeah, why the crystal? That never like came into play afterwards. Yeah. What crystal is that? Can we look up like, I feel like there has to be some sort of symbology and like what crystal is Yeah, in- that's true. I don't know that. what crystal it was. Because doing like the, the, the pennies and then to give like the crystal too, like that yeah, has Yeah, that must all- have meant something. Definitely. A bus turns up and Jim sneaks onto it and he heads off into the toilet to hide out there and load his gun as the bus then pulls away, takes a seat, and then finds out Jennifer's on the bus. And she's, uh, but you've got to be at this point, you're like, how the fuck are these two going to meet again? Because you know you're not done with her, right? Like, I like her name to too, back. Nash. Nash. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can't say Nash because of uh, Why? Alex and I have an ongoing joke about uh, Klein's role as Nash in 
in the Chun Li movie, which mm. is very funny. Too bad for you guys. Too bad Nash. for you guys. Name's Nash. Walks through the raindrops. Yeah, she heads to the toilet and he grabs her and rushes in with her. Explains to her what's happened. And it is a relief at last. It's like, at last you're telling someone actually the stuff that happened, which is great. But this is where we're going to get into a bit of a back and forth where he's like, he's trying to evade the cops. He's trying to be smart about it. He's trying to evade the hitcher as well. He's loading his gun. A cop car then pulls over the bus and he's like, well, he has to give up. He doesn't want other people to get hurt. Mm-hmm. He's like, he's got to give up. But he does keep evading giving up, but he's also trying to get to the captain. So he's like, I think he thinks he's still got a friend, but it's not looking good. Like two more cops have been killed since then. And yes, sure enough, this cop who brings him out clearly is just itching for a reason to shoot him. Mm-hmm. Like he just wants to provoke him to have a reason to kill him right there and then because he killed two of this cop's friends. And he's asking him to like, what's he asking? He's asking him to like wipe something wipe off of the him. spit off of his hand yeah so then it's yeah. like he's grabbing the going to grab the gun or whatever so then he could shoot yep. him mm-hmm. yeah. never wipe a cop spit off of his hand That's, uh, which is really just uh, i mean really probably what could easily happen yeah mm-hmm. absolutely that again situation. characters even even like sub, even side characters like cops like this like i feel sympathetic for this cop because he thinks that this is what this kid did yeah. you know he thinks mm-hmm. he killed his friends and we're yeah. using you know realistic sort of paths for what they want to do but yeah instead jennifer and this is for me probably the most improbable bit in the whole movie really. yeah but jennifer grabs the gun that he dropped shoots in the air and then tells the cops to drop their guns and she's now in it and they know her as well so there's like an interesting sort of dynamic mm-hmm. in this as well because they're all small town friends i liked it it didn't bother me it didn't bother me i mean look she's at that diner it's owned by her uncle and her cousin works there like i'd be bored too this handsome man comes yeah. through i guess let's go on an adventure rock and, and she roll. just wants to do what's right you know i'm with you it doesn't bother me it's only if, I, if i'm really scrutinizing it yeah i need like one little extra bit i need something about her character even when she's just walking off the bus to go into work someone's saying something where we get the idea that she's bored of her life you know, just one little thing to, like, help. I thought like- we got that in the diner, though, because she talked about her, like, family and, like, wanting to move to California and, like, the kind of... That's true. And it's I hard th- to leave from here and how yeah, yeah, yeah. she doesn't really meet a lot of people like him, kind of. But I don't think it's... She's not doing it because she's bored. She's doing it because she sees that this cop that she's known, that she grew up with, is doing something wrong. Yeah, you know he's breaking the. Law. I mean, because it just shows like later both, on, though. she doesn't want to shoot at the cop. She doesn't want to shoot anybody. So I feel like she's just doing the right thing, which a lot of other citizens and passerbyers should also do the right thing for mm-hmm. people who are being accused of something that they didn't do, and cops Absolutely. taking advantage of their power. Are we officially enthusing people to grab guns and point them at policemen? <laughs> It's not that easy. It's not that cut and dry, okay, Al? It's not that. <laughs> I, look, I think you're right, absolutely. Of course, she's doing it because she sees this kid, sympathizes for him. You get some feeling, yeah, she's got some history with these cops as well. She's probably mm-hmm. not taking it too seriously because, yeah, they all know each other. But I do also feel, yeah, that's what I would say in terms of, like, she's also a bit bored of her life and just wants something to, like, happen. I think there's a lot of things going on. And I'm fine with it. Don't get me wrong. I just, like, it's a very stupid decision to make and so far people are doing pretty smart decisions and this like we're gonna see it's serious repercussions for her but even if it didn't i think in the way it's it a does, brave action me too i do think it's brave now. and also it's kind of like you know we were talking about how did the finger get into the fries but you just gotta kind of 
Except, except this is the surreal, dreamlike reality of the world that the beautiful girl in the diner is going to pick up a gun and defend you. Like that's. Again, yeah. I'm not saying yeah. I have a big problem with it. I'm just saying if mm-hmm. I'm going to criticize, <laughs> you're mm-hmm. on the same this page. is the most unrealistic thing anyone's done yet in the film. Mm-hmm. This is something which clearly is going to end badly for the right reasons, sure. But you're either going to go to prison or die. Like they're the two results from this. The results from this isn't anything positive. Well, sometimes you just got it. Sometimes you, you know, people put their life on the lines for the right thing, to do the right thing. Sure, they do. That's true. They do. I just don't know her well enough to believe that she would. But I'm fine with it. I'm just not like 100% fine with it. That's all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I know why you're umming me. I haven't said anything Mm -hmm. controversial here. Don't touch your face. I'm allowed to touch my face because I'm in my private environment. So they steal the cop car and leave. Until you get your takeout. <laughs> Until the burger turns up. Then no touching face. Or rubbing burgers on faces. <laughs> this is really important, this moment. Because this is the first time. Mm-hmm. Up until this point, the hitcher just turns up places. We don't know how. This is the first time we're going to see the hitcher is watching him. So mm-hmm. the hitcher was there. And for me, I interpret this as if it had gone bad. If it had gone south, the hitcher was about to intervene. Oh, yeah. would, as we're mm-hmm. gonna see later he's gonna keep doing what he has to to keep jim free because yep. he could easily just frame jim like he could, he's already done it jim is fucked his life is down the drain for nothing and the hitcher could just disappear and that's what in most other movies yeah again that's what the hitcher would be wanting to do but here he's not into that he knows he's on a one-way road he knows it'll end badly for him on purpose he would free jim here if she didn't step in but she steps oh in yes before he does mm-hmm mm-hmm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's what he told me. <laughs> <laughs> so she Shit. says they're going to head to Riley. Two cop cars start chasing behind and We're going to get a first proper chasing. This is the first car to car chasing in this movie. Jewel was only that. This feels like Jewel, but there haven't been car chasings, guys. No, this was way better than any of the duel. Yeah. There is a look, again, I had no problem with how Spielberg handles the actual car chase scenes. Like, they're shot well in Jewel. But the stunts in this... This is a better... The stunts in this are insane. So she talks over the radio trying to say that they're turning themselves in, which doesn't make sense to me because they literally just didn't turn themselves in. So it's like, okay, well, what's... This is a weird decision, but fine. Mm -hmm. But the cops are out for blood now. They don't give a shit. So they all just start shooting immediately. Mm -hmm. Which makes Um, sense. It does make sense. It does. He tells her to shoot out their tires, but she doesn't want to because she's not a great shot. She might end up shooting one. She doesn't want to mm-hmm. shoot back at cops, but then mm-hmm. they won't stop shooting. So she decides to try, but drops the gun instead out the window. Understandable. Um, and then this fucking, it's just so fucking cool. Like his door comes off. <laughs> and then just yeah, that driving was cool. With like no door. And unlike Jewel, he's going at 105 miles per hour. So, yeah, you know. Well, it's fucking. like 10 years, you know, to improve the car a little different and then we have this incredible shot which has always stayed embedded in my mind where the cops pull up on either side they mm-hmm. go to shoot out his tires on either side and then he puts on the brakes that's a top gun move and lets oh, them so good pass by they shoot each other's tires although we only see coverage of them shooting one tire which is confusing we need to see coverage of both really. yeah that's true i noticed that too but then one of the best car crashes I've ever seen in this beautiful wide as it's like ballet as these two cars just fucking flip in slow mm, motion scary. and it's gorgeous this movie is really slick like i have to say that you know i, I don't know i was expecting watching this 
to be like more campy, but it's just cool. It just is so it's- cool. Well, and and again, we're pre-digital, obviously, so there's no fa- effects here. There's nothing like fake happening. Exactly. It's just and for me, it's again so much better than Fast and Furious stuff. So much better yeah. than all the CGI. Oh yeah, nonsense. I do not like. I do not watch Fast and the Furious. Same. Love it. Now this shot, by the way, they nearly lost people doing this shot because the original version of that shot was this whole rig that he had mounted to a car, with the camera on the man on the front of the car. And then this crane operator, essentially, like rigged to the car, like a jib, I guess. And they're driving behind Jim, I think it is, really low. They wanted the camera like low to the ground. And you'll see a little bit of that shot where we're near his wheel. And then as the crash is about to happen and he pulls back, as he pulls back, the camera was going to lift up just in time for the top of his vehicle to go just underneath the lens. So it looked really fucking cool. And then to get high enough that you then see these two like cop cars start flipping. And it's this crazy shot. Obviously, they're driving right behind. And obviously, it goes wrong on their first take. And one of the cop cars mm-hmm. starts sliding rather than flipping. And it's go careens into the way of the picture car. Um, of the, Sorry, the shooting car. And the, yeah, you've got a camera guy on the front of this car. And it Jeez. literally looked like he was about to get squished between their car and the car that was like careening. And the stunt driver who was driving the pic- the one that they were shooting from the film camera car with people on the roof you know this guy in the front like he had to swerve he had to choose what to do and he swerved right and like managed to skid off and like literally just missed this and they really came close to like losing at least that camera guy if not more members of the crew and that was when after that they decided okay we, we should let's do this wide shot instead nice from the front oh or the camera's just oh my god there. how horrible yeah. it's fucked up that's Jeez. scary and they're saying it's something that nowadays, obviously, I mean, it still happens. So, I mean, people aren't aware of this yeah. stuff, and it should be people dying fast in the, fast and the lost, Furious like, movies. Two stunt drivers, I think, in their recent film, right? Quite like, a lot of these movies, yeah. Quite a lot of these mm-hmm. movies do, and to me, it's sickening. I try and write about it quite a lot because, look, again, I'm all for cool shots. Let's do it. I'm all for risking my own life, and I do that sometimes with certain shots. I have yeah. done some, we're not like that, <laughs> but I've done certain shots where, for sure, bad things could have happened to me. But that was my decision, you know. I don't mm-hmm. agree with ever placing your crew in danger for stuff. And yes, yeah, sadly, really bad movies have people die making them, which is sad. Unfortunate. Really unfortunate. Anyway, we get this really cool wide instead. It still looks fucking great. And then they're going to keep driving and they're going over these little dips. And again, you think you're going to get a moment's break, but then you hear this sound and you're expecting, I don't know, a truck or more cars or something. No, a fucking chopper. Just Oh, Yeah. I mean, he shot that chopper with a handgun. Really? Could you really get it coming down on it? I don't know. Is a handgun that powerful? They're calling this out in the making of. They're like, yeah, you just have to look at this guy. Like, he's a supernatural force. Like, he can take yeah, down choppers with handguns. Yeah, he is a supernatural he force, I guess. He is a specter on the Supernatural highway, really. sexy. <laughs> I'd watch that sequel. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Ah, man. More cops are coming as well. Yeah, and again, the hitcher could just leave them, but this is when he turns up suddenly to save them, essentially. On a parallel dirt road, shoots the chopper down. Looks fucking amazing. It just falls out of the sky. And you know it's for real because the cameraman's trying to keep up with it. (laughs) It like hits and it just explodes. And then a cop car's just drive into it. So great. And then it's just them and the hitcher again now because he's rescued them from that stuff he stops the car for some reason and they decide to go by foot i'm a little bit confused by this 
he pulls over the cop car and is like, let's just walk it from here in the middle of the desert. But okay. Um, <laughs> and then Jennifer asks quite rightly, why didn't the hitcher kill them? Which Jim doesn't reply. He just says, we've got to keep moving. So let's get into sunset. Lovey doveys. They are loveys. It's the end of this long day. They get to a truck stop with loads of trucks and a motel. They check into a room. He explains he picked up the hitcher because he wanted to help him, but also because he was tired and thought the hitcher would keep him awake. He has done that, to be fair. Yeah, he has kept he him has not gone to He has not gone to sleep throughout the day. And Jennifer wants to call her father, but he's like, no, you can't do that. It's ridiculous. Like, they'll give away a position. Don't call anyone. Well, thank God she did, because poor girl, she got to talk to her dad before she got murdered. It's true. Mm-hmm. Really nice, by the way, because they're in a truck, a place where all the trucks go and, and sleep. We're getting these like sporadic red lights coming through the windows from the brake lights from these trucks, which is obviously, you know, rigged up and it looks really beautiful. It's really cool. So yeah, they have a little snooze on the bed. Again, nothing fun, no funny business, which I really appreciate. There's a connection between them. That's all you need. And then when it's you see intimate. the actor talk about it, he's like... He's like, sex is a type of intimacy, but the intimacy they have from being survivors is much more intimate. He was like, that's mm. what you need from these two characters. He wakes up to a car screeching and she's pretending to be asleep. He turns off everything. This is one of those cool places where you have the light switches also control the TV, which is really funny. And then he goes to take a shower. Yeah, he bathed down when he, was at, when he first met her at her place. And now he's having another little bathe. He's a clean boy. Yeah, clean boy. Mm-hmm. I appreciate I like that. that. You know, like if things are kind of crazy, like I'd at least like to be like clean, you know? Yeah, you want to keep washing this off of you because you're going to feel yeah. all those horrible things and a lot of blood. Mm-hmm. A lot of blood on him. And this is when she decides, okay, she's going to ring her father while, he, while he's showering. And then she goes back to sleep afterwards. And then we get a wonderful shot as we just slowly pan across the room. And standing in the dark corner of the room. We have no idea for how long he's been there. He could have been there the whole time they were asleep. He could have just walked in at that moment. No clue. The hitcher is just standing there watching her. <laughs> and then for me, the most like, yeah, definitely the creepiest bit of the movie as he lies in bed with her, <laughs> snuggles up to her and just like holds her hand. He's so cozy. And it's not sexual. That's what's so good. <laughs> but like any other movie, this would be like seedy, you know? And it's like, you never think mm-hmm. he tr- wants to rape her or anything like that. It is this weird, mm-hmm. like, yeah, you distance of it. intimacy. Yeah. It's so mm. great. So then with Jim, he hears the TV come on and he comes outside. She's gone. And I fucking love it. He just pulls off the fucking towel rail. <laughs> just like rips it out of the wall oh, yeah. as a weapon to go chasing after them. And it's going to happen really quick because he's only been in the shower a little bit of time. He's going to go out to the trucks to try and find her. Cops are suddenly everywhere. He gets grabbed by them. And the captain that he's been trying to get through, we're finally going to see the captain, who's actually played by quite a great actor, I've forgotten his name, um, who'd go on to do many things. And this is weird, right? The amount of time. Because what's meant to happen is the hitcher is taken her outside, set up this, you know, thing. And mm-hmm. then the hitcher presumably is called into police. And then fucking 20 police cars have turned up got this situation and then gone to get Halsey to come and deal with this situation all in a period of time it's taken him to get out of the shower and and see what's Mm -hmm. like that she's not there 
It's a little bit weird with time, but fine, whatever. But it makes it really dreamlike then, because yeah, he's suddenly pulled, and the captain, they're not after him. He thinks they're after him. The captain's like, no, we understand now, because people have seen the Hitcher. Like, we need you to come and sort out this situation. And mm. yeah, the Hitcher's going to have this is the scene that everyone wanted to cut the woman tied between the trailer and the front of the truck. And he's revving that engine. The police don't want to shoot him because if they shoot him, apparently the clutch will come off and then it's going to roll forward and rip her apart anyway. Presumably the hitcher has asked for Jim to come and get in the truck with him and have a little chat. So that's what happens. And he climbs in next to the hitcher who's like, this is his most like melancholic, right? He looks so tired mm-hmm. and just, just resolute. Um, and they have this little conversation and he actually hands Jim a loaded gun. And again, we're getting these great, great bits where like Jim's like, they'll catch you. And the Hitcher's just like, yeah, sure. So what? Mm-hmm. Like just, that's mm-hmm. the point. He just wanted him to kill him, right? Just like, let's just do it already. But if he kills he him, then she, she dies. But why yeah. can't he just kill him and then jump and put his foot on the thing, on the brake? But that's, that's, too, I mean, that's too much I time. She, yeah, and she's well, pretty she taught. died anyway, so. I would have just, you could just, they should have just mercy killed her. Like, better yeah, death I mean, than being, like, torn oh, yeah. apart. And why yeah, weren't the true. cops, like, I don't know, maybe let's get, like, some scissors and cut the fucking rope? Oh, but then because he yeah. could have just taken the foot off and she would have died. Like, it would have been so, like... Yeah, I feel you would have quick. sneaky, like, people crawling underneath the trailer or something to, like, yeah. try and get to her or something. I don't know. Yeah. It's <sighs> all happened very quick. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit implausible, let's be honest. But it works for the scene and it's definitely kind of shocking. And you are expecting in a normal Hollywood film, all of those producers and studios would have got their way and this would not happen. Like she would be fine. She would get out of this. I thought she was going to be fine. I, she wasn't. Well, yeah. Nope. The Hitcher says to him, you know what to do now. Do it. Asking him to kill her. He says she'll die. The Hitcher. Is, and this is great. This is telling because as soon as he says she'll die, the Hitcher looks really kind of shocked and appalled that Jim even cares about this. He looks like, again, disappointed. It was like, really, mm-hmm. this is what you're concerned about. So he takes the gun back and then I think he really mutters it, but he says like youth, useless and what a waste. And then he so brilliant. Yeah, revs, revs the lorry and rips her in half and we fade to black. Now we do not see anything. Do not see one shot even of no. her getting pulled. We don't no. see any blood. It's all sound design. It's all just him revving and the tire moving and then fading to black. And what's in your brain? The director says like he's had people even from a few years ago come up to him and be angry with him for like saying, how could you do that to that poor child <laughs> and, and, and show her being ripped apart? And he has been like, but you don't, I didn't show up. It was so well so done. crazy. It's so that is good. so like, crazy. What's implied what he's is so much more effective. Exactly. Sorry. What he's realized is quite a lot of people shut their eyes for a moment then, and they create that scene in their head. Isn't so that crazy? And then they remember it being like what they saw in their head. So you know, don't cool. show you anything. I did that with Hereditary. Like I closed my eyes the first after the first twenty minutes of the movie. And I was like, I'm gonna be fine. Like I didn't watch it, but I could like visually like I heard it, and hearing it was so much scarier because I imagined yeah. the most like horrific shit happening. And then I actually like read the script and was like, oh, did I should have just watched it? It's not that bad. Yeah, honestly, like a lot of the time, if you clo- if you're one of those people who close your eyes to horror movies, most of the time you're probably making it worse. <laughs> like if you just watch it, you'll probably be fine yeah yeah i made a mistake <laughs> so yeah but she does die 
And then we're going to cut to Jim getting inspected by the cops, but now they're on his side. Uh, my initial thing here was like, okay, this was my first first time I watched this movie. I remember this being a problem. I was like, what the fuck happened? Did he jump out of the car? Like, what was the situation? But mm-hmm. we're going to learn that the hitcher turned himself in immediately after this. And we're going to get a scene that's very similar to when Kevin Spacey turned himself in in Seven. Spoilers for the greatest movie of all time. And we get this whole thing with the cops going like, there are no prints, there are no records, there's no information on this man. But then again, they couldn't find anything on fucking Jim when they had two phone numbers and someone Mm-mm. telling them everything. So don't know how much, how great they are. It's the but 80s. Yeah. yeah, the point it's is that, he's a ghost. There's that, what is that one killer that was just like got away with so many murders? Zodiac because, killer. Because of the it? system. You know, well, the, Zodiac was never found. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Zodiac. Never no, found. this one was found and they put him in jail, but he kept escaping from jail. But it's like all the, the like the police stations, it's before they ever even talked to each other. You know, the police stations wouldn't talk to other districts and things like that. And he just got away with so many murders just because of the lack of communication and the lack of being able to get information. Ted Bundy? No. I don't know. Yeah, and again, this is great because they ask the hitcher how he feels and he just says he feels tired. Mm-hmm. Me too. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> All the time. And you're not even getting as much killing done, to be fair. Mm-hmm. I mean, barely 50% as much killing done. And you're yeah. sleepy all the time. Mm-hmm. True. So Jim's watching via the two-way glass, one-way glass, not two-way glass. Two-way glass is just glass. <laughs> one-way glass. <laughs> and the hitcher, like, I- senses him, like, turns to look. Of they got course, a connection. They're connected. And do you notice it's only when Jim, because they're like, we don't even know his name. And then Jim whispers his name and mm-hmm. he turns and like looks at him at that moment. And the only information he gives them is that he's from Disneyland. That was so good. That was such a cool line when he's like, where are you from? Disneyland. That's right. <laughs> I forgot about that. That's so funny. Like his answers are so good. It's wonderful. So Jim comes in, walks over to him, and I love this moment where he reaches out to shake his hand, and the hitcher takes it with, like, both palms, and there's this lovely sort of tender moment, but then Jim spits in his face, and this is one of the main places where people feel that it's a lot of homoeroticism, because then the hitcher's kind of, like, licking it up, essentially, (laughs) bathing in the spit. Cute, cute. But again, I don't find this sexual at all. This is just, like, the places you go when your head's a little unhinged, and... Yeah, and this script just seems to go wherever it, want, wherever it wants to. Again, this is not a film where I expected the Hitcher to be in custody, you know, by voluntary mm-hmm. after murdering the lead female. Like, it's just, you don't expect this shit. And then the police were escorting the Hitcher out to a van for transport. Press are everywhere. Captain and Jim get into a car to go a different way. It's about to be sunrise again, so we're into another day. And then we're at the Hitcher. He's humming, up a tune, he's humming a little tune in the back of his transport vehicle, eyeing up the cop with the gun in the back. And that's all we need to see. We don't see how he gets out of this situation. All we need to see is, okay, he's looking around and he's thinking. And that's enough because we've appreciated now. Yep, he can do crazy shit. And the captain's warning Jim that he, he won't get to decide what happens to the hitcher. So Jim, Jim's by this point is like, no, the hitcher's got to go down. So he pulls the captain's gun on him, tells him to stop the car. And again, I really like the scene because the captain like, seems to understand. And he's trying to like help him still. And as soon as he pulls the gun on the captain, the captain's like, all right, what's on your mind? let's talk Mm -hmm. and he's literally like i'm sorry sir but it's something i've got to do and it's it's so yeah and it's just really fucking great i love it so he leaves the captain there just standing in the middle of the road and speeds off after the transport bus catches up with it quick and just the moment he catches up 
gunshots go off inside the transport bus. Of the course. door opens. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. hitch is standing there in the back. Mm-hmm. Jim's ready for him. Just like right behind. And the hitcher just fucking launches himself with a lion's Wild. roar, I believe. <laughs> like there's literally sound design of a lion just like roaring through the front fucking window of Jim's car mm-hmm. into the shotgun seat. You know, Jim? <laughs> yeah. I should have played Dewey in all the scream movies. He would have made I mean, a way better cop, right? You're not wrong. You're not wrong. I mean, anyone should have played Dewey. <laughs> I don't know the Scream movies. Sorry, guys. You're fine. Don't worry. By the way, this is where uh, Rutger Hauer apparently, like, took out a tooth he had or something with the shotgun he was holding as he jumped through that window. He did that stunt himself? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. At what least a guy. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. I mean, you could see him fucking coming through. So Jim hits the brakes and the hitcher just gets thrown through the hole he just made in the window. And this is where they're going to go toe-to-toe. Wow. Uh, but Jim can't get the car to start. The hitcher walks toward him real slow, like shooting again and again and again, mm-hmm. but purposely not through the window. You know, he's like shooting all around the car. Car finally starts. He runs straight into the hitcher, who is goading him. And then he gets out of the car and we get this beautiful wide and we see all these like sandy dunes in the back. It looks like the white sand of New Mexico. Mm. But I don't think it is because they shot everything between here and Las Vegas. Do you guys know what this is? Because it's great. I don't know. There's so much. I don't know, but I just went to the White Sands. White Sands. Oh, nice. I don't think it was it. I don't think it was it. I want to know what it is. Brandon was watching it too, and he would have been like, "That's the White Sands." I think that's just the desert. And it's so desolate and cool, like between Vegas and here. So I feel like it could have been anywhere no but but that's what i mean but this isn't like that this is like actual sand dunes like mm-hmm. you get in egypt and in you know, parts of africa and stuff like it's really beautiful and i haven't seen that in all my drives mojave like the- yeah maybe and it's not like it's a big amount but it's not huge so i'm sure there are pockets of this but it's rare actually in the deserts around here it's rare to get proper sand deserts like or oceanu deserts i'm trying to look it up right now uh yeah but anyway they're all behind him it looks it looks fucking gorgeous he picks up the shotgun the hitch is looking dead on the road and he goes over to him and this for the director was a really important moment because he uses the shotgun and like he caresses the hitch's hair with the shotgun it's like this tender kind of like and he said that's like meant to be like a thank you yeah almost it's meant to be like this appreciation in the original script i believe he was meant to shoot him again while he was on the ground just to be sure um, this is nicer because we get this tender moment. The studio that they were working with, or the producers they are working with, did mandate, no, the hitch has got to get up again. You have to have like a villain come back again. But I think they do it in the right way because he does get up, but he does it again, not in a shock moment, not to actually try and kill Jim. He does it just in this sort of like very obvious thing. They turn and look at each other. He throws his shackles at Jim's feet, which is like wonderful symbolism yeah and it's like but wait 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 you know that he's not dead we all know you gotta shoot them you gotta shoot them a lot you gotta see yes. their head explode to make sure i don't know why people don't when yeah but that's what i mean that? but that's why it's great here because it's not done in a shot like normally yeah they come back and it's a scare it's not a scare here. it's more pathos when he comes back you know and it's mm-hmm. like i like that he stands because i feel like it's so dignified between them. Like, I feel like there's a lot of honor in this duel between Jim and the Hitcher. So it's like, yeah, he gets to, he gets to die with some dignity and like the chapter mm-hmm. gets to close in a way that feels very like, I don't know, rewarding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. 
and he and he wants to yeah die that way exactly like you're saying like there's a dignity to it he shoots him three times we end on this beautiful wide beautiful music comes back in it's the end of the day which i'm going to overlook potentially have been driving all day i don't know but we skipped through today very quickly considering how much coverage we got from the previous day we're now at sunset again but it whatever, could be winter days could be short i mean the day before were pretty long do you guys want to know where it is yeah it's only three hours away from here it's in california it's san luis obispo brawley no brawley which is close to the salton sea oh it's down south interesting yeah very cool we gotta go we gotta go check that out when this should we go on a road trip yeah Yeah, let's do a joint road trip we could go to the, all of the locations. I found a really good website that sh- lists all the locations for this movie. Katie genuinely wanted to. She was like, can we go to all of the places in Jewel and in this and go to like the cafes <laughs> yeah. and the restaurants and shit? That'd and be actually really cool. A duel. I have it all. I have it all. Honestly, we should do it and then like go and do some nice photos in each place. It'd be really cool to do like a series of photos themed around the horror films yes. that we're watching. Oh, that'd be really cool. Brandon says that we've been to some of, when we were watching, he's like, oh yeah, we've been there. We've been there. Cool. So if you guys know some markers. Well, I have it all. I have awesome. it all. Get working on it, Christina. That's your okay. new job. I'm on it. I'm Let's on it. Let's do it. Yeah. And this is it. The last shot. He's going to be silhouette, similar to the one in Jewel. But so instead beautiful. of on the floor, like in Jewel, it's like on the floor, exasperation. He's reached his breaking point. This is the opposite. This is now like, no, now he's become a man, essentially. He's been through mm-hmm. this trial. And he's going to be silhouetted against a truck, smoking, with the sun going down behind so him. So beautiful. Credits just come right in. You're not even knowing if like, it's it's just like, oh, wow. Okay, we're done. They're just like, yeah, he's dead. We're out. And it's, it's so, so great. great. It's so brilliant. And like, also like, you know, I mean, it's very similar. It echoes the shot in Duel. But I mean, just like the guy at the end, like he was a little bit pathetic, like throwing rocks, like on his knees, head bowed. But, you know, Jim having like the acceptance, the acceptance of the journey, the completion. Absolutely. I agree. And Al, did it change format? Because like on my screen, it was like long in the beginning, and then oh, it yeah. went to like a square, and then at the end, it went long again. Did you? Know I think that? it did oh, that on really? mine too, actually. Did it really? Yeah, it made me think. I mean, I would only notice that because of quiet. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it um, did. You look into it. See if it did. That's heartbreaking because no, it shouldn't. It should be, they very specifically shot this with anamorphics as wide as possible. So that means you guys oh. lost a lot of the beautiful imagery. This whole, if, if this is the version you guys, so I watched the Blu-rays, which you can only get from Germany, which are oh, beautiful, pristine. Shoot. Did you watch the HBO too, Christina? Yeah. I, I also so watched the HBO That's how HBO, HBO were doing it. They're for some reason cropping. Yeah, it started off like really like tiny but long and then it went short and taller and then at the end it went back long i'm gonna have to check this out because it's heartbreaking because yeah people listen to it sadly this film has not had a western outside of germany that i can find blu-ray release and this film's beautiful like yeah it was still beautiful it was still yeah i don't i don't think i lost you want like the wide expanses because it's like they purposely shot this with very particular lenses to be like a western you know oh, so it's super shoot. wide, mm, super wide I like for the that. Film. and it said hd 
Yeah. Cool. Yeah, well, at least it's HD, HD, but that's version. crazy if they're cropping it. I'll check it later on on my HBO to see what's going on. I should have checked And there was no option. It was just like the only one there. And it was No, free. of course. Yeah, you won't. Feel. This is the stuff that I get paranoid about, though. When I get people to watch these films, <laughs> when we're not watching it together and I can control, I know the version we're watching, it makes me really scared if people are watching like a rated version or a different cut or, yeah, like not HD or. Well, they we couldn't watch it. together. We couldn't. <sighs> soon, guys. Soon. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. It's going to be a while. Um, so the film finishes. It is. No, yeah, you're right, you're it's right. going to be a while. It has to be. We haven't even. We haven't. America isn't. Well, as we're speaking right now, America isn't even started its military lockdown, and that's coming. So it's very necessary. Very necessary. It is necessary, though. People are yeah. dumb. Yeah. <laughs> so TriStar, who are contractually obligated to distribute any film by HBO Silver Screen, saw the finished film and said, "Quote: It's the best film that we have for 1986." Wow. They really loved it. The film opened in 800 theaters and it made 2.1 million in its opening weekend, which for that, I mean, now that would be a massive bomb. Uh, now with a budget of six, like, you know, it would have been, sorry, back then it would have been okay. Didn't do great though, as we know. It eventually netted 5.6 million in North America. Yeah, again, the first HD version of this film was in 2019 from Germany, and this were, version of it was transferred and remastered from the original 35mm negative, and I can vouch, it looks beautiful. Christopher Nolan has listed this as one of his favorite movies, period, not even genre movies. Entertainment Weekly at one point ranked it as the 19th scariest movie of all time. Mm. But on the flip side of that, at the time when it was reviewed, Roger Ebert gave it zero stars. What? Um, yep. Why, Why zero? There was a point where he was really anti a lot of horror stuff. And on a Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson, he denounced the movie for its violence, saying, quote, the film should be made, it should be shown, and it should not be attended by anybody. What? That's this a is lot. not even I don't even really consider this like a horror movie. I really. yeah, I also wouldn't consider this a horror movie. It's more Neither like a the thriller. Or yeah, like action. action. Yeah. That's, that's, that's how the, yeah, the creators feel as well. Ironically, the producers, I mean, ironically, because they spent so long cutting down the violence from the script, the producers then blamed the movie not doing very well commercially because of its lack of gore. No. It fell in this weird place where it was too dark for regular audiences, but not gory enough for the horror hounds at the time. And yeah, that period in the 80s, you're getting a lot of violence, you know, so... Mm. There is technically a spin-off of this called Deadly Road, which came out in 1993, which is an unofficial Mexican spin-off, and it looks fucking terrible, and I spent <laughs> some money getting it imported from some weird place. Um, <laughs> so I will be, for when we get to a wrap-up, I'm going to be watching all of that stuff, and I'm actually watching a bunch of other car pursuit films just to get more context on things, so we'll mm. cover that. But that's not what we're covering next week. We'll get to that in a little bit, but before we do, guys, how did you feel about the you? Heaven, let's start with you. I really enjoyed it. It was just like a really beautiful film. Like I will say beautiful. Like I love the imagery. I liked the characters writing a lot. Like both characters were just so well-rounded and really specific. Like, you know, Jim was just likable. He did things that regular people, for the most part, would have done, you know, his reactions. And then Ryder was just brilliant. Like, I mean, the understatement in this movie made it so much scarier the fact that nothing ever had to be hammered home not the violence not the intentions it was just really really well done i liked that it took so many aspects of duel and did them right at least you know in my own opinion you know like the diner scene of him just like you could it's like you could hear his inner monologue 
but it didn't need to be like the voiceover narration. It just it was just cool. Like overall, it was like a slick, cool. I'm gonna say action thriller movie. I would definitely actually watch it again. I think I would show someone else this movie. It's. I might even want to watch it again. Not gonna lie, like I really liked it. I, it makes me excited for the rest of the series now. Like we'll, it, we'll it, it's Calm flipped down. it around. Calm down. Let me be optimistic for a little bit. You know, <laughs> let me be excited. So you got you got some of those things that you're asking for at the end of your when you're like these are the things that need to improve. Definitely you did some of those things, and that worked for you. It was fun. Yeah, much it was less a fun car time. chasing as well, though. To be fair, eh, I could do without. I was having a good time. No, I mean, there was much less car chasing. Duel is all the car chase. This is actually very, there's very little car chasing in here. Mm-hmm. Okay, Christina. It was beautifully shot, wonderfully acted. It was a great story. I loved, I loved everything about it. There's nothing I hated. I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were some times with Jim, I don't know, sometimes he did make me laugh. Yeah. You know, just like, I don't know what it was. It just, the situation, the acting, I don't know. Sometimes I just laughed. But I think he did a great job. I think I think everybody in it was great. I wouldn't change a thing. And I really, really, really loved it. And it was super enjoyable. You know, always like when I watch these films, like the one before, like, I do still really appreciate the simplicity. Even though I do... I did enjoy this movie better, but Duel, I do like really appreciate the simplicity of mm. of it and the way it was shot. And there is something about Duel that I do really, really love. But this one was definitely great and entertaining and two thumbs up. Yeah. Thumbs and I would up. watch That's this again. I would watch I this mean, again. I mean, honestly, like I'm going to check out the HBO and if, if, yeah, if you guys didn't get to see the, you know, pristine like widescreen version, then it doesn't, you know, Years from now, whenever. Well, maybe like, when we this is all, yeah. Like down. in a couple years, when this is all blown over, we'll come over yeah. watch when this. the vaccines yeah. when the watch vaccines come screen. out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I did though. Like it did make me. I did forget about reality for a second, mm-hmm. and yeah. I forgot about everything that is going on right now. And then I realized, like, oh, fuck, like all oh, this shit's happening. <laughs> <laughs> and it made me forget it made me forget so that's like kind of a good thing yep. but then when i remembered i was really upset and then i got really scared and because it was raining and storming and so i had to call my parents after the movie yeah <laughs> i'm gonna be thinking I, twice on my night drives i had a facetime with them to get my spirits back up oh wow okay well that's yeah a very particular yeah. situations that are happening but yeah <laughs> I'm glad you're okay. So yeah, the good news is we can all stay friends because neither of you hated the Hitcher, which I could take criticisms, constructive criticisms, absolutely things you don't like about it. But if one of you guys had, had not enjoyed it in a similar way to Jewel, the friendship over. That's all I'm saying. I've had to think about it because this is a movie. I said to Katie after this film finished last night, this is a movie that I always think, I love, love, love this movie. Can't wait to watch it again. And you know when mm-hmm. you start to watch a film with someone with friends or even just by yourself again for a film that you know that you know you have this memory of loving there's this little bit in my head of like this is going to be a little bit of a letdown isn't it it's not going to be as good as it is in my head this is one of those films where it's like i'm going to still enjoy it obviously and yeah. love things about it but it's never like it's so rare when you come back to a film that you think you love and you rewatch it with friends or whatever and you feel a bit more exposed 
that it turns out as good as you thought? No, I now have seen this movie enough where I can just flat out say, like, I think this film is a masterpiece. There is, like, almost nothing that I would change about it. I think it's it's one of my favorite movies, and I absolutely love it. Not just Midnight Movie, like I used to say. This is just one of my favorite movies, period. Although I do think you have to see it at night. And this is kind of crazy to say, and I, te- I teased it at the beginning. But I think this is my favorite movie that we've ever reviewed for We Are Geeks, ever. <gasps> and we're That's throwing crazy. stuff like... I'm honored. Like, I love Night of the Living Dead. I love Halloween. Like, Halloween's in contention, because Halloween for me is a 9 out of 10 movie, and I love it so fucking much. But I actually think some of the things that Hitcher does are smarter than Halloween. It is smart. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's such a smart movie. It is. And I love the pathos that's going on with these characters. I love this movie. I love this director. I love the DP work. Rutger Hauer is sensational. Honestly, one of the best, best roles I've ever seen with one of the best pieces mm-hmm. of casting. And yeah, I think Jim is perfectly great. Like, I think he gives it his all. He's not, you know, next mm-hmm. to Rutger Hauer, no, he's not standing toe to toe with him. But he does everything he needs to, to like get through this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah. Jennifer Jason Lee, she's not in it very much, but she's very good in what she does. I love the music. I love the pacing. I love how just like, yeah, I'm constantly subverted at each turn. I love this movie. And every time I watch it, I forget all the little details that just keep emerging to me. And this should for me have been the herald of like a great director, you know, someone like really special who's going to go on to do better and better things. What did he do after this? (sighs) Not much of note, but we will be talking about one of his films because next week, guys, we're going to be talking about The Hitcher 2 with the subtitle... In Wait, case, you sure it's not called The Hitchers? <laughs> Shut the fuck okay. up. Okay. The Hitcher 2 with the subtitle, I've Been Waiting. No. Uh... Yeah, that's right. Mm. Now, bear in mind, this takes nearly 20 years for this movie to get made. When it does get made, it's going to go straight to DVD, basically. It's in that period before digital, straight to digital, but was not big enough for cinema. The director of the original movie does not return for this film. Rutger mm. Hauer does not return to this film. I can't tell you, see Thomas Howell, Jim himself does return. We're going to get an wow. 18 years older Jim returning wow. for The Hitcher 2. I don't want to tease any more than that, other than the All person right, who doesn't look up next? anything about it. That's what we're watching next week. Yeah, no, The Hitcher 2. Wow. Don't look up anything about it. I don't want you to know what the new Hitcher is going to look like. I think Christina might recognize him, maybe. I don't know if Heaven will. But don't. It's going to be anything like Blair Witch too, like this is a similar experience. I don't want to say, but hey, we're getting Jim back, so it's got to be something, right? All I could say is the week after that, again, as we said at the beginning of this this series, we are covering Highwaymen. Now, Highwaymen, we're covering because it came out a year after The Hitcher Two, and it is directed by the same person who directed The Hitcher, and it has the same guy who did the music to The Hitcher. And I'm going to do all my proper research, but from my knowledge of it and my understanding of it, in my eyes at least, it is Robert Harmon, the director of The Hitcher, saying, no, The Hitcher 2 is not how you do a sequel. This is how you do a sequel to The Hitcher. Whether it's better, worse, or bad in a different way, we'll see when we get there. But I think it's going to be really interesting that next week we are going to get Jim back, and then the week after we are going to get the original director back, but for something technically off-franchise. And then at the end of it, we're going to get Michael Bay's company Platinum Dunes version of The Hitcher when they got into all of their remakes. Yeah. Uh, and we'll get there when we get there. So lots of money going to be thrown around then. Lord. But until then, yes, 
please do go to We Are Geeks on the stuff with the things and listen to things and, you know, subscribe to stuff and be nice to each other and shake people's hands, but not right now. Don't spit in people's faces. It's bad. It's bad. If they do, definitely don't lick it up. Don't pick up hitchhikers. Not social distancing. Yeah, not right now. (laughs) Yeah, I got to say, does that happen even anymore? Do people still hitchhike? I hitchhiked when I was a little bit younger, honestly. I did it uh, once or... I did it a few times, but always short distances, like, within my town. I look back on it's a miracle I did not get kidnapped. Um, <laughs> would not recommend it. But I, I was all right. I always wanted to, no. but I never did. Would you pick up anybody, though? No. no. I would not pick up anybody, ever. Hard no all around. Well, I'm really excited, guys, because we've gone off then. Like, all right, Jewel, again, we had to watch that. You understand now why we had to watch Jewel? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I'm happy I Absolutely. watched it. Happy. Cool. But we all, we all went, ended on a high with The Hitcher, and it's great now because we can be on the weird road of fucking weird sequels, spin-offs, remakes. The weird road. It's a weird road. That's why I like franchises. So excited. You guys like weird roads. I know you do. Yeah, we do. We will be back next Friday with The Hitcher 2. Until then, we're out. Geeks. Geeks.